Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. They were all drawn to the podcast. The soldiers who brought death. The father and daughter fighting for life. The people who have always feared it. And the one man who knows its secret. Tonight, they will all face the podcast. Uh, so you're just doing the poster. Look how much fucking so, tagline there yeah, is on this poster. It's a hefty tagline. With a tiny little tagline at the bottom. Right. So that's why I did the double podcast. Because I felt like I have to read all three of these. There's like all caps tagline at the top. Then a fucking paragraph text block. Then a little tagline at the bottom. So I was like, let's, let's work too. To podcast they're doing that. anything they can to get people to care about this movie by the time that poster is being designed I mean what what also an obtuse bunch of words on that poster yeah let me look at this again I'm, the, they were all drawn we, to the keep the soldiers who fought death the father and daughter fighting for life the sure. people who have always feared it and the one man who knew its secret tonight they will all face the evil I mean you know that kind of makes it sound like a fairly normal monster movie right I mean, it is a- accurate, yeah. like largely. Yeah, you know, it's basically telling you what's the plot. The basically. IMDb quotes page is weirdly stacked. I know, but I w- I'm not going to read any of those. I mean, what? I mean, they're not. I'm, you're right, they're not like yeah. good quotes, but they're they're there. Right, but considering like what was the movie we covered, The Holiday, where it had like zero quotes on the page or something. The Holiday. One really? of the Nancy Myers okay. movies. It wasn't okay. The Holiday, but no. one of the Nancy Myers movies. We were befuddled that it truly did not have a quotes page. Oh, it was Home Again. Home Again, sure, right. Uh, uh, one of the Halle Shire Myers right. uh, movies. But uh, the, the fucking, uh, the Keep uh, IMDb quotes page is just essentially a fucking full transcript of the script. Sure. Full dialogue. And what truth do you see? What are you discovering about yourself, Camphor, huh? I murder all these people, therefore I must be powerful, and you smash them down only because that raises you. I mean, this goes on for sentences. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot. Michael Mann just sat down and wrote all that. Yeah, well, he wrote three times that. Yeah, sure. That's the crazy thing. Did you, I was like digging into this. It's like, man, it's so weird. This feels like such a first movie. Yeah. This kind of like horror movie that doesn't really like, uh, come together, together that yeah. doesn't have any clarity of, of vision or purpose in the way the thief did right. and it's weird for him to make like a, a 95 minute movie because that's so unlike him and then you find out he delivered a 210 minute yeah, movie yeah, yeah. and they were like cool threw half of it out released it in theaters and he disowned it I never ever believe things like that when I read them right right there is no such thing as a 210 minute cut of a movie that like Hollywood would ever release like unless there's like an you think that was like his assembly you don't think he was presenting that as a formal I think you see statistics like that I made two I made one movie before remember I made Thief anyway you got to release this thing it's four hours long you see statistics like that (laughs) entirely too often sure and it's always some staggering number and unless there's a very clear source on that right where it's like yes the script was 300 pages long. Yeah. They greenlit that and then the cut was the right length of time and they butchered it. Yeah. Like once upon a time in America. But when you hear something like that for this and like you look on Wikipedia and every citation of it just goes to like the same thing. Uh-huh. Like was- how do how can there be a 
210 minute, like well edited, well paced cut of this oh, movie. Look, I don't think it's well edited or well paced. This movie does feel like half of it's missing. The movie certainly could have been longer than 96 minutes. There's right. no question. Right. This feels there, like there's a happy compromise somewhere in there. I think right? I read you know, something like, that said that his goal was two hours. Or that makes something. sense. That makes sense. I just think this movie feels like the pre restoration metropolis where the only way you could watch it was with like inner titles that would come up and be like, so we lost these 20 minutes and here's vaguely what happened for four scenes in a row. It does feel- Where Metropolis would just explain to you the movie you weren't watching. Wait, that happened? I've never heard this before. Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Yeah, I've seen the movie. Right. For a long time was just like only existed in short forms. And then Kino Lorber in like the late 90s, early 2000s was Uh like, we're going to try to remaster, like restore it as best possible and they had a bunch of inner titles that were like so here's a whole sequence that we lost (laughs) and they just like explain what happens to try to give you the full sense of the narrative and everyone thought that was the best it was going to be and then like 10 years ago someone fucking found it right someone found it in like their dad's attic and they were like he has a 16 millimeter print of the full metropolis and it exists now the good the the other one of those is the dvd of lost horizon yes right yes which has like photographs taken on set with on-screen text explaining what's in the script at that time because scenes were lost. To the uh, Horizon. There's a movie that was... Uh, no one liked that? It was the sequel. Lost Horizon is a 210-minute movie. Like, that oh, is actually one of... Like, the original... Yes, that, I, I believe. Right, right. But right, that's right. also at a time where you would buy that. Of course, right. Uh, there was a, uh, a Universal tried to make a sequel to All Quiet in the Western Front. Sure. In All the Quiet 40s. All Quiet in the Eastern Front? It was, I think, supposed to be called The Unknown. <laughs> like that. Okay. I believe sure. it was called The Unknown, Little and vague. it was from the German perspective. Oh, so like a letter from Iwo Jima right. deal. Right. And then uh, World War II happened, uh-huh. and Universal like, was like, So they like shit-canned the movie, and maybe they like re-edited it and retitled it and put it in some weird form, in some butchered form, and released it in theaters. But it was one of these things that like people were trying to find forever. Because they were like, there was some finished movie that never got released. And Scorsese was like trying really hard to find it for the film foundation. And they ended up finding it when like some guy in like Prague or whatever, like, you know, a projectionist who owned a local movie theater, his daughter was going through his like warehouse after he died. And they found a canister that said unknown on it. And she assumed it was like, this is just some unknown unidentified footage. And then she took it out and it was like, oh, that's why no one ever found this because it's called unknown. People just threw it out because they assumed it was like odds and ends. So I make fun of nerds, but hey, you know. Kind of a cool story. Kind of a cool story. Kind of a cool story. Collectors. Yeah. They they buy this stuff. They hide it away. Right. And then you you continue to have it be in culture. Well, I suppose if it's like the first uh, 70 years of uh, film, uh, people didn't like put any effort into preserving things. Sure. So it was all like nerds, you know, it was like theater owners and like collectors and these people who just like bought shit in bulk. And anytime they've like discovered something they thought was lost, it's because of that. It's not because the studio found it in their closet. Right. Like those studios couldn't burn those things fast enough. <laughs> How much time during your Michael Mann series we'd be talking about like, Alternate versions. I mean, like fucking, I mean, well, here's the answer. In in the main release versions of our episodes, not at all. In our uh, remastered definitive cuts of our episodes that we will, uh, the, t- two weeks after each Michael Mann episode, we are going to re-release the episode with a changed order 
an expanded scene. That would that That's would. That's my joke. It's obtuse. That I don't would know. be great. It's a fine joke. That would be. It is a joke. <laughs> appropriately, me. it's appropriately a joke. courageous. Right. And I'm not doing that. You're not doing. It. Of course, okay. you're not doing. It. But I'm gonna say this right now. <laughs> I'm gonna say this right now because we talked about this. What, what about on the black hat episodes? Can we all wear black hat? Yeah, we can all wear black. Okay, hat. Thank you. Uh, I want to say this right now. Mm-hmm. And fingerless gloves. Uh, okay. Because we're hackers. We're gonna hack. Sure. sure. Um, ben thinks black hat is hackers. Um, he, he thinks it's just like the Angelina the movie Jolie movie, hackers, and Ben right. looks like I just told him that his dog died. The Santa doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. he's despondent. He's right, staring well, what off were you, you going to say? I've said this to you guys in private, but I want to put this on the record. If we ever do Peter Jackson, mm. we are releasing mainline. Main oh, you want to do extended editions for the Patreon? I mean, okay. Regular length. Is it the same episode just with stuff added throughout? It would have to be. That would be the format, right? It's like the same episode just, but then we go on a few extra tangents. We'll have tangents. It'll be much like the Lord of the Rings extended editions. None of it's essential. But then. No. It all is like a nice added world building flavor in the the tangents. Actual episodes are, you know, much like the theatrical cut, something no one really needs anymore. Well, I mean, that's uh, maybe this is the best business strategy for our Patreon anyone's ever come up with. But there will be listen to the theatrical versions. There will be no actual Michael Mann remixes. Ben, come on. I mean, Ben, come on. There's one for almost every movie, isn't there? Yeah, and a lot of times for him, it's not just making things longer. It's also like changing the order. So you could just like pick a couple of our little tangents and switch around when they happen. Ben, <laughs> you can't be upset about this one. Jackson's not even like. On the horizon this year. No, we're year. talking about man, though, now. Oh, oh, Jesus. Doing the man definitive editions. I will compromise. I will do it for one episode. For one. Okay, we can pick one. Mm-hmm. And for one on the Patreon, we'll release. Oh, my God. All definitive mixed up. And, yeah. Well, I mean, really, you just have to move, like, something at the end to the beginning. Right. Right. And then, like, and then. Add have, in one like, extra tangent. You have to make the opening song way worse. Exactly. Right. You have to right. cut in some backing we'll soundtrack track that's a little like bit. Yeah. a cover of a Phil Collins song by a new metal band, something like that. We'll do it for, which is the one he's fucked with the most? Miami Vice. He fucks with it so all the time. You think he's fucked with that more than Mohicans? Well, he released like three different cuts of Miami Vice and like none of, the first one was the good one, right? I'm not aware right. of there being subsequent ones. I would have guessed I remember Manhunter had... Many cuts. See, I'm I'm Man less Hunter aware of Manhunter's Man mess because Miami Vice he released the director's cut and yeah. it was ruinous, especially before the internet because you couldn't get the regular cut for a while. It but was a lot hard. Of people liked that cut. No, more. the director's cut sucks. Okay. Anyone who likes it is a thief. I've never and a seen. Liar. It. I've only seen. Alex, theatrical. what do you think of the director's cut? Uh, I never saw because everyone because everyone who loved Miami Vice yes. upon release was very excited about it and then immediately the word was don't watch yeah, it. You turn it on and you're like oh shit why'd he do this? Like you know wow. it's like, I love that movie yeah. and then he doesn't change much but he changes a song Okay. and he puts in a worse song like way right. well, worse. Well like I mean you guys will obviously uh, we'll talk about this, this at length sure. but you know like it, one of the best things about that movie and kind of that movie is like an end to how to talk about Michael Mann I think yes. in the present is like this long silent shootout at the end. Yeah. Yes. Which yes. has a song in it in the director's cut. He puts like a cover of In the Air Tonight over that. Right, right. By like yes. Power Man 5000. Yes, I remember <laughs> hearing about <laughs> By like a guy who got fired from Audio Slave or whatever. Well, like, that was like Michael Mann's vibe in the 2000s. Wasn't the trailer for Miami Vice scored <laughs> like to the uh, uh, Jay Z Lincoln Park song? Well, the, 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 the movie begins right, with right, Namunkar. Right, right. That I mean, is then the right. greatest opening of yes. a movie, I think, of my lifetime. Correct. I showed that in the one time I taught at NYU with yeah. Griffin's father. 
I showed that opening scene and I was like, this is the greatest beginning of a movie that's been done in the last 20 years. These yes. two minutes are. I have only seen it the one time oh when it God. came out in theater. How have you not seen it 100 times? I don't know. Pervert. Well, look, we'll never talk about it on the show. <laughs> winky, right. winky. My new bit now is I say we're never going to talk about movies that we've already announced we're going to talk about. That's a great, that's a great bit. Right? I'm, I'm just going to call out the bit right now. I'm going to dissect the frog. I'm done hinting about things that people have surmised we're going to do. I, I'm now hinting about things that they know we're so going to do. So he messed with Manhunter And we confirm. I feel like Manhunter has two or three cuts. Because I, I feel like when he, he yeah. would just like add little, you know, he would beef mm-hmm. it out slightly, right? Like every every new version of it. He, the newest version of it, he's like changed some shit. He's really? like used some alternate takes and changed some order. Mm. There's the definitive edition that just came out like a year or two ago. But crucially, and I think this is like relevant, like the keep is untouched right and according to right. what i looked he up he just threw up his hands there's just no right. way to do it but yeah I it's don't know. weird that it feels like the one he would most want to come out with his own version i, think I wonder would if he just actually, doesn't have access you would need the, millions of dollars i think you'd need to like problem. yeah do whole yeah. visual yeah. effects and sequences according to what i was reading he seems to have said like it's just not possible I'm there's done. not right. the material yeah. but talking about him and you're obviously I, i'm excited to be here at the beginning you're of, here at the beginning well, of course what i view is a very important miniseries because this is blank check Podcast about filmographies. Directors have massive success on their career. Give a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they keep. Baby. Sometimes they, get out! Get out! I don't know. Prosky. Uh, sometimes they drink a dog's blood for no reason in the middle of the movie. Prosky. I was like, where's Prosky going to show up in this movie? He's in the opening credits. And sure. I didn't realize he was the guy with the big, bushy, He's the black guy beard. with the big beard. Yeah. It yeah. was like almost unrecognizable. He's got a big beard. He's got a big beard. Uh, and he's also such a, a white-haired man. That's true. I was not used to seeing him with that much color in his face. That's true. It's amazing on the films of Michael Mann. We talked about Prosky for like 45 million minutes. It was minutes mostly a Prosky I mean, there's such a company of actors in his oh, movies. Yes, yes. Especially like the first decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, series is called and Cast the, the Jamie Pot Fox era. Right. <laughs> Subtitle, Michael Mansplaining. Right. And our guest today is Alex Ross Perry. That's right. And... Director of Her Smell. That's right. Um, still, still in theaters? Fingers uh, crossed. When's this coming out? Uh, May 19th. Let's say yeah. Yeah. That's a month, yes. out, right? yeah, yeah. a month yes. later. Right. It might be digitally nearing by then. Well, your window, you got a 30-day window on Digitally that crowning. The sort of new in-between of neither day and date nor 90 days. Is that is, So that's allowed? You can do a, I don't know. Do anything. I no have one to cares, write, no I have one to cares anymore about, about how movies are released. Well, doesn't AMC and Regal care? Isn't that the whole well, fucking do. problem? Right, yeah, they we won't, do. We won't I know you're not. Those. Right, you're not doing but, that. But like, right. You know, they, it's always been this thing of like, well, the indie distributors can do whatever they want if they're avoiding the multiplexes because they're not fighting with like AMC and Regal to preserve a window. I had a pop-up ad yesterday okay. for uh, uh, Isn't It Romantic? Sure. The, the, uh, the Rebel, Rebel Wilson, Wilson rom-com. Uh, uh, available on uh, digital. And that movie came out Valentine's Day. True. And at the time we were recording this episode, it is March 28th, 27th? Sure, it's the end of March. Yeah. 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 That's fair. And I they were know. like, available March 30th. And I was like, that's so six that's 45 weeks. days. That's a 45 that's day. That's 45 window. days. And they're like, mm-hmm. it's coming out on Blu ray mid April. Maybe New Line has some. I don't fucking know. I don't know. It just feels like no one's protesting that. You know what was the only thing about this that That's my point. (laughs) They always have these big like fights in advance of the subject being brought up. Did you read And then New Line just does it. No one gives a shit. No one cares at all. Did you read the thing that Soderbergh kept saying recently where he said that there has to be a system in place to by the end of a disastrous opening weekend just press a button and have the movie be. Yes. He said that to me. In my interview. He said it to a few people. 
Okay. I heard yes. him say it on a podcast. Okay. Retired. Retired. No, you're right. He said it on Simmons' podcast. Retired bit. Retired bit. But um, it's that's, new bit, that's the smartest the thing anyone said right. about I'm saying retired bit when I want to say the retired bit. Where It was that thing where like he was basically like, I know on Friday if it worked or not. And, that's, and if yeah. it didn't work, yeah. I should be able to just put it on we Netflix We don't have to wait 90 days week. to sell yeah. people a movie that bombed. Right. Because Man's it's profit. Like, he's basically yeah. almost saying, like, it's almost rude to theaters to say, like, you have to still play Unsane. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like, I get it. They didn't like it. Forget it. But the other thing is, like, sometimes something does surprisingly well in theaters. You don't want to, like, completely bypass the process because there are certainly movies that people don't expect to last more than a week that end up having, like, robust... Uh, you know, sort of indie what are you runs. Of? Uh, Black Hat. <laughs> Black Hat. No, you know what's one I remember? Uh, uh, Arbitrage, a movie that I Arbitrage. Arbitrage, Arbitrage is yeah. one of those only movies that was a day and date release, and, and then, then made it made money. ten million, like or whatever. There was like a it made like seven or eight. There was like yeah. a six month window. Yeah, well, because eight like, years ago, where a day and date movie like that or Margin Call, was, Margin Call was the other one, call. I believe. Yeah. Right. But I mean, no one's no one's disproving those that, are not yeah. the same movie. And Magic both, calls a lot better. Those are both day and date movies that like made millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah, uh, Arbitrage made thirty five worldwide. Right, not it made bad. Ten domestic? How much? Seven, eight, okay, eight. okay. I mean, seven but that's bad. like margin call seven point nine higher than any other. No, of yeah. course. I mean, assume that would make like three hundred. Often 000. better if yeah. Richard Gere is in your movie and it's about like the Upper East Side. That means the median age of your audience is like 78 years old, right? Yeah. They don't know what a video on demand is. Mm-hmm. That movie, so they're going to go to see it at Lincoln Plaza. That movie also has like a lot of like famous New York people who aren't actors playing other characters. What, like Ed it. Koch or something? I believe like, Carter's Graydon in that Carter's movie. in that. And there's like one or two other people like that where like every once in a while I end up on like a Wikipedia page of like a real financial criminal. And well, it's like, of course he played a key supporting role in the Richard Gere film Arbitrage. Well, also, if your movie is named after like a, a securities process, yeah. you know, like some kind of high end financial thing, that's a that's a tip. That's right? a little tip of the hat. You're really giving people what they want with this yeah. miniseries on the films of Nicholas Jarecki. You're right. Graydon Carter is like ninth bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like Dickie Gear, Susan Sarandon, Graydon Carter. Nicholas Jarecki is a good poll. Yeah. I, uh, he's making a movie right now, apparently, called Dreamland. He's not the one who did the jinx. That's Andy Jarecki? Yeah, that's the... that's The, the movie phone guy. Uh, he's the movie phone guy? Yeah, he's the voice of movie phone. Andrew Jarecki created movie phone. I did not know that. So I th- thought that he... I think oh. of him as... What's it called? The Freedmen. Yeah, Capturing the Freedmen. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, the Jarecki family... Like old finance money Henry family. Henry Jarecki, right. Like and big, all big, the rich kids man. wanted to be filmmakers. And the dad was like, you're never going to be an artist. You have to make money. So he was like, okay, I'll become a businessman. He created Movie Phone. He sold it for millions of dollars. And he was like, great. Now I'm going to go make my fucking movies. Fuck you, dad. Fair enough. He also co-wrote the theme song to Felicity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jack yeah. of all trades. Really? Yeah. But he created Movie Phone, then directed Capturing the Freedmen's. And then Remember the jinx? Ben, ben, ben looks yeah, antsy. Jinx. Ben looks. Remember Bobby the Jinx? I forgot to, set, forgot the to set the clock. I forgot to set That's the okay, clock. That's okay because I'm going to say I believe we're going to go long. I think we might go long. I'm setting it. I would like to have two episodes in the all time top 10 longest. Ugh. See, this is. Do the... not come into the studio with that. This I'm is sorry, the problem. I have to. And I have a couple things to talk about, even I'd like to address before the key. Alex has a full notebook. You want to do Here's the other the thing I want to say to you, Alex. Yeah. You could do a March Madness. We have to do our final March Madness recap. Oh, interesting. And you can stay on for that. If we got to talk I, Final Four. If you think I came in to blank check with an out time, you're crazy. 
Anyone who does, I always am like, oh, sweetie. Oh, shit. No, okay. My day, <laughs> like, I'm my, sorry. My day is cleared. Well, the last time I had an out time, it was four and a half hours later. And I still ended up barely making it because Griffin was two hours later. That's right. right. Griffin, that was one of my, but no, if I'm coming in here, weaker moments I'm coming in here at one, my next, my next commitment is in the evening. But uh, no, I have a couple of things to address. One is I love Michael Mann and I, sure. I, I'm sure. very excited. You're glad we're doing him, right? So I feel like the term playing. should be the um, North American Man Blanky Love Association. For anybody who wants to listen to this and declare themselves members of NAMBLA. Of, Na- of NAMBLA. Of, yeah. Na- of MAMBLA. The Man Blanky Love Association, which you're all members of. Uh-huh. I am. He's sure. a very important filmmaker to me. And I have We're a lot gonna of take on back that. NAMBLA. What <laughs> yeah, if we right. take it back? What if we Well, you've totally successfully taken back the cause. We've taken back the cause. Because of I was course saying the cause that to is people, Kevin Costner now. He was in some movie at South by Southwest and you I kept saying cause. the cause and no yeah. one it's weird. No one had picked up on your thing yet, but it's it's getting it's starting to gain traction. It's definitely gonna work. And this will too. Yeah. So the, the man blanky love associated. I'd like to see an image of, you know, you both as children holding Michael Mann's hands. Sure. And the other thing I want to just address, this is vaguely off topic, but I had a good yeah, merchandise idea. Okay, great. Has Ben looking up what Nambla is? No, uh, I'm laughing at you. I'm doing, oh, I'm doing some clock business. I said one, yeah. quick, clock business. one quick sort of tangential thing. I know we want to get back to the Jarekis. And you, you found yeah, a really good right. merchandise spotlight, but we'll direct. save that for later. I did find episode. a good merchandise spotlight, yeah. but I want to create a potential merchandise okay. spotlight. Yeah. Why is there not merchandise yet that's just the entirety of Demovish speech? The movies. The movies. Like, why have we not? I would have a yes. I would have a mug, and I think many people would have a shirt that's just that whole speech. So it's just text, no image, nothing, no image. <laughs> All right, now I have well, to. Well, I would like to interject. I am beginning to take screen printing classes, and oh, I had a right. thought uh-huh. that we could start offering exclusive, limited oh, run T-shirts. If we do like live oh, events, like so there's going to be like, like a hundred of these. This is going to sell out. Oh, a hundred. No, I'll make twenty. No, wow. no, no, no. This, this I think is going to be the big seller. I feel like the movie has become iconic. It has become and iconic. My wife has like a. It to- has. She has. Like it. it has. I mean, the question is: Are are we? Does anyone own the rights to that speech? You do. You are we going to make that sh- shirt? And then is Bruce Valanche going to sue us and be like, "I wrote the movie speech"? No, no, not if that did. That'd be I'm cool. I'm trying to find it. Anna has a tote that's like you know a Sex in the City, mm-hmm. like a Carrie monologue that the I movie-ish. see women around sometimes. Just a tote or a mug that's just that whole speech. I guess if we spell it phonetically, if we do da, M, O, V, I. Right, then it's sort of harder to Google. That to me is a a beautiful piece of merchandise. The other thing is that this speech is- By the time this episode comes out, we're going to be fucking selling it. If I went to Sean Connery and asked him about it, he would not know he had done that. No no one remembers that. No, of course. Like and if I look for like Sean Connery yeah. Oscars opening, they're like, here he is winning an Oscar. That's you, what you want. You right? deserve like, full credit for that. You made movies. it happen. I mean, this this has that has changed my life and the way the I it's changed the way I say the the phrase the movies, <laughs> the movies. forever. We all so I just want to mention and hope the there's movies. a groundswell of support. This is a beautiful piece of text based merchandise. I promise it will be on sale by the time this episode opening comes out. Of, do you remember which Oscars it is? Uh, it was the one with Cold Mountain because they keep 2003. Cutting. Yeah. Okay, so that'd be the 2004 Oscars. Yeah. It got posted in the Reddit. I mean, that's the other oh, thing. I know, now. I know. It's and just I the Reddit that, can yeah, be hard to see. I have the commercial because you texted it to me and yeah. I have it yes, on my yes. phone because I send it to people once or twice a week. <laughs> I've sent it to many people. I've shared it with Scottish people. Yeah. Sure. Of course. Um, now, it's very important. I, I watch it like once every two or three weeks. Now, I want to go back a point on your on your bullet list, okay? Uh, I think the Blankies have started doing something very dangerous, which is keeping a constantly updated ranking of the longest episodes. 
Oh, sure. Which right. then becomes because a, that challenge makes it a challenge for right. your Alex Ross Perry's, your J.D. Amato's of the world to come on and try to break the record. I just couldn't believe at Toronto when you were like, the episode's coming out now. It's, by the way, yeah, right. our second longest episode. Right, because yeah. uh, they had alerted me to that. that and I, it was, was the t- I was like, Taking huh. Woodstock was two and a half hours long. And I was like, that's interesting. And I feel like maybe there's been some long ones since then, but that blew my mind, even though I was there for it. Uh, it's a good memory. I remember also Griffin trying to get uh, Rachel to yes, uh, that's the thing. record we just- an episode yes. where she... Just heard. Oh yes. right, yeah, she's outside. Our ta- taking. We were going to do an episode, episode. Well, that like was 30, Rachel at her death. Thirty minutes of that episode are Griffin's Scorsese story. Yeah, you Good tell story. the Scorsese story. It pays out like a slot machine. It pays out like a slot machine. But that's the thing. We we we're done with the movie, and then yeah. somehow, if you look right. at the podcast, there's an hour to go, and you're like, what? What are they? Well, that's going to happen about? again today. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Well, now, this movie's going to be done in 20 minutes. But now so our much, I feel like there's know. so much to say about about Michael Mann. Yes, especially coming in early. I don't know how the Thief episode went. Probably well. I'm going to say this. I, I, the Thief episode, I feel like, was a banger. I think it was. Do you agree? I think it's slap. I think it was pretty I great. I think it's slap. This episode might end with, like, Molasar coming to <laughs> just explode our heads or whatever. Okay, I'm Ben fine. wants to say this. I'm fine with you going for for longer run of episodes. I'm fine with that, but I already, as the editor of the show, have made a mental note for Michael Mann that I am going to start really really cutting some stuff. You're going to start cutting some stuff. I'm going to cut, wait, wait a second. You're going to start cutting some stuff? I'm going to start really giving like some heavy cuts. No. You can only do that if you commit to also doing the later definitive edits where you put stuff back in. That's the only way I'll allow that. No cutting. Not after I had to put up with five months of Tim Burton without cuts, <laughs> where every episode's fucking two and a half hours long. We went, uh, we went, uh, how Can't long? Can't cut scissor hands, baby. Right. Can't cut them. 150. We went, what are you going to cut them with? Bigger scissors? No, no, no. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. I was wondering, will there be a, just an ordinary blank check that is over three hours long? It, it's got to happen. Just like, like some, just like not like a special episode, like, but you're, just yeah. like you're doing Miami Vice and it's just that incidentally three, three hours, hours and five minutes it's, long. It's right. one of those like, things. Well, is that, is that the limit that will happen where it's like, will there ever be this? Well, you know how like we every have to have time someone like you who has no who objection wants it to be three right. hours exactly. Long. Yeah. You know, how I mean, every JD time like could push J- us. JD yeah, will yeah, push yeah, us yeah. there. You know how every time like someone breaks the human speed record, then suddenly right. five people break what was previously an unbreakable record. Right, 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 right. Uh, right, right. It, it is the thing where I feel like the bar is constantly getting pushed. I mean, we were talking to a uh, friend of the show, past and future guest Sam Rogal, and noted that when his episode came out, Terminator 2 was two hours and 12 minutes, and we were embarrassed. Right, we eclipsed the running time of the actual movie. Right, and, and we're like, we're how like, is that Jesus. possible? How could an episode be this right. long? Right, and now like we can't like order a cup of coffee without it going that long. I am excited about the keep. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about Michael Mann, sure. but I feel like there's he's some, one of your favorites. I love Michael Mann. Yeah, he's very important. But part of this, and you were talking about Miami Vice, and I feel like this will come up again and again. But like, there was a time where it was inconceivable to present the notion that Michael Mann was a serious filmmaker, right. even though he was coming off of like back to back prestige Oscar movies. Yeah, back to backs. You mean um, the, the, insider the insider and, and Ali. Ali? And right. I feel mm-hmm. like I wrote down like. Up until that time, if you were to say, like, Michael Mann is one of my favorite and one of the best filmmakers, that would be like saying, like, Ridley Scott is one of, like, Ridley Scott without Alien or Blade Runner. Yeah. Like, that body body of work, it's like... Like, like Black Rain Ridley Scott. Yeah, it's like, okay, like, him, really? Like, 
The guy who made Gladiator, the guy who made The Insider, like that's your favorite well, filmmaker? I remember when Ali was coming out and my father is a massive boxing fan. My brother's a massive boxing fan. My father wanted to be an on-camera sportscaster. We've talked about it. And the reason he gave up the dream was he got his shot, which was he hosted a documentary about Muhammad Ali coming out of retirement. Okay. And he was so bad in it. That right, he that's was his like, album. I'm, I'm just picturing right. him sitting there like stands on the floor where Jerry's like, then again, those jobs tend to go to former ball players and yes. people with broadcasting experience. I'm going to show you the picture of my father interviewing Muhammad but Ali. Like, up until that point, like he was just like he was he was just a Hollywood director. Oh, oh, this is the point I was going to make when Ali came out, and I was like, "Do you think it's going to be good?" And he went like, "Well, Michael Mann is one of the best filmmakers alive, and my dad is not a serious cinephile." And I was like. How is it possible that this guy is one of the best filmmakers alive if I haven't heard anyone else say that? You know, like as a 12-year-old, I was like, I know the people who are constantly referred. Like Scorsese is shorthand. Coppola is shorthand. Spielberg is shorthand. You're telling me he's one of the best filmmakers alive? I've not heard anyone else throw down that kind of consensus. But Peter Newman was really ahead of that. He was like big into it. At that time, it's like Mohicans and then like it's like big, sweeping, prestige movies. And I really feel like, as we just discussed, like it really turns around with Miami Vice, which was like a very... But that's funny, right? Oh, wow. Look at that. There's your dad really does look like Albert Brooks in a way. He looks very Albert Brooks. With, with, with yeah. Muhammad Ali. This is the photo, but it's also... I'll post it on the, on the fucking feed or whatever. This is he also... Really does look like Brooks. This that is hair. his avatar on Instagram, too. It's like his favorite picture. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Well, Muhammad I mean, Ali with a mustache when he came back out of retirement and sucked. Is this frame hanging up at your home? Oh, 100%. Are you kidding me? Is Why it signed? are they outside on I, a rock? The, the thing is bad. <laughs> okay. It's okay. bad. It seems like a combination of, you know, your dad's big moment, but also like one of the movies they make in Boogie Nights. Yes, it's it's Where very, it's just like shots of Muhammad Ali like sniffing flowers and staring off into the Right. It's the very sea. low rent. It's like and Barney's they definitely, movie in The Simpsons. Right. Like, they, they, that kind, right? Like they, a, they thought it was a get and then they like started following him Gary around. Peter was a get. They thought both. And then they started following around my father interviewing Muhammad Ali after like training to come out of retirement. And they were like, oh, A, this guy can't conduct an interview. Right. B, Muhammad Ali is going to lose these fights. The stories about your dad are starting to pile up into such like a character on a sitcom who you yeah. never see sort of way. <laughs> yes. I want to get him on though. Like, well, everything if Demi ab- went. If Demi everything about him that won. stacks up yeah. is like, these stories can't all be true it, it phew, you don't even know half of them well you said that one the other day that was revolting about the f- which revolting was to me as someone time? who hates feet no that's hilarious oh, oh oh my father my father who is a college professor oh you guys this is an off mic revelation yeah, yeah. Okay, okay my father is a college professor uh hates socks he wears like loafers which is crazy to me i love socks socks yeah. are great They're my I love favorite I have piece so of many pairs of socks it's crazy he wears like loafers and like jeans that are a little too short on him mm-hmm. so his ankles are almost always exposed even during the winter right uh like even during snowstorms that's insane and he hates wearing shoes so much that he essentially just steps on top of his loafers so like the back heel is just like totally bent his like heel is totally exposed to the elements and when he goes into class in front of his students, he like gets behind the desk and then he like takes off his shoes and he thinks that no one can notice. And every time I met one of my father's students, they're like, oh my God, your dad's the barefoot professor. This is crazy to me. But anyway, this is like, like disgusting. Get, like, like, get him those shoes that have the, the toes built you, in. You don't think we've been trying to solve this problem, Ben? 
You don't think we've been working at this one? Hey, let me let me let me consult as a with, family, uh, Peter. Please. And yet, your dad seemed to be hip to man before anybody. It was hip to man, well, and he's not a big movie guy. My 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 point is like prior to Miami Vice, like that was maybe your dad's opinion. Yeah, and I think after that movie, it like really exploded with people who were just yeah, like, I think you're right. Oh my god! And then it really doubled down with Nolan being like, right. you know, The Dark Knight. That's inspired by Heat, the right. greatest, the right. greatest of movies. Of and people were right. like, Heat, the movie that's on cable all the time. That's the other thing. That's I think the greatest movie. That's the thing. But that's, Heat had a bit of a, a Shawshank thing where it was right. like watching with, it twenty times, but with dads exclusive. But now, like, with that yeah. sort of like right. you last, know middle aged like, dad zone. But now Heat like is a movie that like the last yeah. time it screened in New York, like it was at BAM. Right. It was like a. Because it's long, it was like yeah. a, a one, a three, and a nine. Yeah, right. And I went at like two to get a ticket to the three o'clock, and every screening for the day was sold out. Right. Wow! Totally. And now he and has it's be- all like twenty-five-year-old kids, and people are like, "Oh, this is one of the greatest yes. made films ever." Yeah. And then suddenly, man is like, "Oh, he's one of those. He's shorthand now." Well, like, yeah. I mean, man I, is Dark like, Knight did do a lot for it. I think it you're did, right sure, about sure. that. I mean, he's got Fickner in the and then opening suddenly scene you just and look all at, that. Right. You, know, you look back at his movies, and you're like, "Oh, right. These are all perfect. These are like a perfectly made body of work." Uh, right. None more so than the keep. The other thing with him, though, is um, I I think Miami Vice was so divisive that the people who were man stands Miami Vice like it was you had to take it side fast exactly. because it flopped so hard. And not only that, like it Didn't was it sort make of like, like seventy million dollars. I don't think it even made that. So it was much. very expensive. Right, it definitely, he made like fifty it, or sixty, yeah, and it, it went way over. But it's budget. not one of those things that made like sixty three. It's not one of those things that like made fifteen. No, no it's no, no, but it was like they a, were like think, it cost one hundred fifty million dollars. It was a bit of a baffling like movie. I think, I think people were also like, why isn't that movie what I thought it was going to be, which is like a you know fun Stars guys in pastel suits? Why is it shot on home video cameras? Right. What's with this digital? Colin, it was the moment where everyone was like, we've been bamboozled on Colin Farrell and you've been trying to tell me he's a yeah. movie star everyone and I refuse. And, and, Jamie and Colin Fox's Farrell's ego like, was I was so to get. stoned. Right. Like, he was like, I don't remember making I don't a movie. Remember I making rapped and then it. went into rehab. Right, whereas Jamie Foxx like, left during production because right. like Dominican gangsters fired gunshots at the set, right? Like, but Jamie it Fox became was such also a legendary like, thing. He was high on his shit. I just think post that movie, especially because it was released as like a summer action movie and then like mainstream audiences rejected it. The man fans had to be like, you know what? I'm not keeping this to myself anymore. This guy's a genius. Like man fans started getting really loud sure. because they were like, we have to fight for this. Well, Cause guy. like it was, you know, like, Oh, he made that early kind of like cheesy pre science of the lambs, Hannibal Lecter movie. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, that's the Mohicans. That's the same guy. Weird. And then it's like big prestige Oscar movies that do really well. Right. And in retrospect are both phenomenal. Yeah, of course. I don't yeah, know the Insider and El Ali. And The Insider I hadn't seen in years, and we rewatched it when Black Hat came out. We it's did a little man series. I, sure, I have sure, sure. never seen that. Never <gasps> seen The Insider? I'm very excited to watch it. For Wait, which, is that the only one you've never seen? Uh, never seen Mohicans either. Wow. You're and in I, for a treat. And I hadn't seen these two. I hadn't seen Thief and Keith. So you were like, oh, I've only seen half of them, maybe. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking half. about. Like, you've, seen seen you've seen Manhunter, though. I've seen Manhunter. Yeah. But Insider, like, when we rewatched it, I was like, this is insane. This movie is out of control. Like, the style in this is not. This is not like a prestige Oscar movie. This is an insane movie. Oh, sure. He the makes weird movies. Right, right, right. He's yeah. a weird, weird film. I talked about that a bit yeah. on The Thief one. I saw it because I was 13 years old and it was an Oscar movie and I was like, I need to see. The Insider. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. need to see this oh, Oscar movie. Oh, you're going to flip out for Pacino. Pro. I mean, you're going to be well, milking Pacino oh. impressions from The Insider for oh years. Yeah. That is, it's true. It's there's a, one But also Palmer impression. There's also one monologue that there's one thing Pacino screams in that movie. It's like three solid minutes of screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. as good as anything he's ever screamed. I'll say, I want to say two things. One, yeah. 
I was an avid Empire Magazine boy when I was a young boy, as I've talked about on this podcast. Living expensive to get that in subscription. England, living what? in England, living in England. Um, Can we get a reaction from you two, Alex? I'm just laughing. Okay. Griffin wheels away. He does well, he, wheel away. I told him to. I don't want to blow out the mic. Um, and they were always very like, Michael Mann is one of the important directors because Empire was always like a bit of a boy magazine that like, you know, liked the, the high-end genre stuff, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know why. A lad so, mag. A bit of a lad As mag. your brats would say. Uh, you know, because in Britain there was Total Film, which was a little more like, I don't know, it was very bro and very like, yeah, we like, you know, Guy Ritchie, right? You know what I mean? Empire was like classier than that. Yeah. But not as classy as like sight and sound, which is obviously you know very academic and mm-hmm. anyway. Um, do you? Do other- I gotta ask? Do you three guys have your like sight and sound ten list? Like, have you done it so that you're like, well, someday they're gonna ask? No, me I'd love to do it. Yeah, though. I don't, hit I me don't. up, sight and sound. I have yeah. like my own general vague ten in yeah. my mind, but I would have to think. When's the next it. one? Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Ehrlich and I talk about it all the time. I gotta like, be. Gotta I gotta be. I gotta get invited to that. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Right. My Let's God. do that list. I've specifically made a, a sight and sound list that's different than my personal ten, or even. You know who has a terrible sight and sound list? Who? Michael Mann. Hey, we, we talked, talked about, about it on our Thief episode. Oh, so you got Let's that, bring it you, back. You got that Talk out of the way. Tar. We talked about the fact that Avatar is on it. We talked about the fact that Beautiful is yeah. on it, which is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's like a famously terrible. I mean, Michael, what a fascinating guy. He writes well about it. Yeah. You know what he's I mean? He's writing he, books now. He's yeah. on Instagram. Right. He's, he's, he's wild on Instagram. Isn't Guillermo del Toro doing a Michael Mann documentary? Sounds good. Can't wait. He like, is it like De Palma? He like pushed off all of his projects after he won the Oscar and was like, I'm going to take a year talking to my three favorite living filmmakers. Okay. And I forget who the other two were, but he's Probably like, I'm going to sit down with them. Too. <laughs> the third one's Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> George Miller. George Miller. He's basically just doing the bracket. Yeah. Uh, Michael Mann. That's all I'm seeing. I'm just Maybe seeing it's just those the two. two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought there was uh, a third. Well, he said uh, two weeks a piece right. he's doing with each of them. Right. Hmm. And I think he's filming it and he's going to release it as a book. And hopefully one, it'll be a long, like, uh, De Palma style I documentary. just want everyone to do a De Palma movie. I made that pitch. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Paltrow bound back. Right. Yeah. Like, every director who's, like, 70 now, it should be the law. Yeah. That you have to sit down with somebody and they'll just be like, okay, and next we've got the keep. Talk to, for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Right. And like the movie doesn't have to be good; it should be fine. Yeah, you know, it should be very watchable. Yeah, right. And I want that. I, I, around yeah. around the time of this coming out, the piece I've been making on Paul Schrader for when the Criterion, is that? It's going to be early Criterion Channel. I was wondering about it because it was going to be for the Filmstruck. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. happens when you do something for so long that the thing you're doing it for ceases to exist. Or that's what happens in a world where things only exist for twelve months before yes. the their conglomerate but, shuts uh, them down. It's not like that. Because sure. he doesn't want to talk about all that stuff. And it's not a feature length, but right. it is a man of that age just sitting, giving no shits and just kind of like... Which sounds fantastic. Throwing, you know, throwing insults at every one of his generation. I mean, and I... just generally being a maniac. We did get him to talk... We got good socks right now. Oh, thanks. Just speaking From of Pendleton. A mm-hmm. killer sock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, did. I, we, I did get him to talk about Facebook in our final... Oh, that's awesome. Our final, our final piece with him. But yeah, it's a great <laughs> idea. But you know, today. like what's interesting, you see this online, like... The Keep is like referred to as a movie that like Michael Mann doesn't talk about. Right. right. Like if they made that movie, he it'd be like not. he yeah. made Thief, then he made this movie called The Keep, and then Manhunter. Right. 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 And the way that like a movie that this sort of reminds me of Friedkin's The Guardian, which is yeah. right. comparably a disaster, right. or you know equally a disaster, is like in the Friedkin book, 
The Guardian and Deal of the Century are the only movies he does not even mention in his like 400 page autobiography. Right. You know, there's so many movies like this and we've covered them on this show before where it's like someone's first film. They were trying to make something that was a little more of a genre exercise. It was taken away from them. They released a version that they kind of disowned. And that's what made them like such a single minded artist. You know, like James Cameron after like Piranha 2 is like, fuck it. I'm never taking guff from anyone ever again. Sure. I'm going to make the exact movie I want. Like this feels like the movie that like Michael Mann comes out of fully formed. And instead it's like this is the movie that comes after the fully formed Michael right. well, Mann movie. Also, as you probably covered, comes after years of other fully formed right. things. Right, right, right. He's not like some and, yes. neophyte who right. randomly no. made a good movie. But even just trying to make it through the studio system, yeah. you know? Like this feels like a first film that someone overcomes. It seems to say online that he wanted to make an adult fairy tale. That's what he yes. said. An adult fairy tale yeah, of he fascism. He threw out a lot of the book. I wonder right. why he would want to make an adult fairy tale. There's, it has nothing to do with Chicago. There's no role for Dennis Farina. <laughs> okay. Why does he want to make this movie? So I found an interview with Ian McKellen where he said he did a lot of research on the accent for the character uh-huh. and the time period. And he showed up on set. Because he's like Romanian. This right. is like set in Romania. Right. And he worked right. on the Romanian thing. And trying to be era appropriate. And he got on set. And after the first take, Michael Mann was like, can you uh, uh, drop the accent, make it sound a little more Chicago? (laughs) Ian McKellen says, literally, Michael Mann said, can you just make it more like a Chicago kind of patois? Well, he didn't. No, no, I mean, yeah, but everyone in this just uses an English accent. Yeah. There's no accents. McKellen's in this. voice is very weirdness. I mean, it does yeah. feel like someone who prepped a very specific accent and then was told to drop it and couldn't fully drop I'm it. I'm very excited. Let's maybe we'll save the McKellen corner for when we get okay. to his arrival in the movie. We'll do a full okay. performance review. Because on he, it's fascinating. It's very exciting. We but, should do a full But you know, like, this is. An interesting thing, because like that's why I want to be here. Like this is the one to see. Like if there was a Michael Mann retrospective, this would be the one that you're like, right? Well, oh, the key. Oh, like, they never screen that. Yeah, and whenever it's screened in New York, it's always sold out. It right. screened at Nighthawk years ago, and it was sold out. And really? It screened at Bam. And it, yes. So there is I got, like I couldn't go to that screening. There's I got like sold a print. There is because it used yeah. to be. It used to just be on Amazon Prime, right. and it was like the most hateful, unspeakable print. It looked like someone had pointed That's a video I watched it. at right. a VHS, right? And now it's been updated. It's better it. now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it also used to be on Netflix streaming. Right. And right. it used to be very great. It was never released on DVD. It was never released it used on Blu-ray. To, the VHS no. was hard to come by. And it used to have like a temp score. Right. Now it doesn't. There it, is a print that whenever it pops up, it sells out. Well, fair enough. It's popped up a couple times. The other crazy thing. No, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, nothing. I'm just talking um, about the key. Keep on keeping on. I'll, I'll keep on keeping <laughs> on. The other crazy thing is when this movie came out, I found a bunch of the reviews where people complained that you couldn't hear any of the dialogue it's because the Tangerine's uh, dream score was so overwhelming. Uh, I certainly I, don't know anything about movies like that. Uh, uh, keep people, because there is like a really rabid keep hive. There is. There are yes. people who fucking love this movie, like and in Andy, the horror community. Andy like Levy not Michael Mann people. Yeah, well, Andy yeah. Levy too. Yeah. But like there is like a subsection of like 80s horror people who for them, this is one of the sacred objects. And those people who have seen the film in many forms, seen it screened, seen it VHS, saw it when it came out, claim that this new uh, uh, sort of digital transfer that exists, that you can rent from iTunes or Amazon, that is of a slightly better quality, not high def, but of a better quality than the, the copy that used to exist, that also it maybe was a little bit remastered on the levels mm. and that the music more used to be more overwhelming. Mm. Apparently it used to be like, Inaudible. Both the editing and the, good, the yeah, editing kind of and cool. the audio on the Amazon copy 
seem like you're watching a work print. Like yeah, when, oh, it's not great. Like when you yeah. would find like yeah. a bootleg in the 90s, it's like, oh, this is the Apocalypse Now work print. Or like, right. this is the three-hour spinal tap. It, it also, watching the movie, you're like, is this him trying to make like the holy mountain? Like, is there even supposed to be any attempt at a coherent narrative? No, Because well, there's but, shit like Lance Henriksen showing up and then five seconds later, there's a sex scene. You mean Scott Glenn. Scott, it's not, I'm sorry. It's not Lance Henriksen. I always confuse he Lance Henriksen. He has a Henriksen bone yes. structure. Yes. very excited by this because I was behind Scott Glenn in airport security very recently. <gasps> oh. How's he doing? He looks great. Oh, does my he? friend now. I don't know. He has He's TSA. All I can say is that he has TSA pre-check. That rules. That's where we were. He was leaving LaGuardia for some reason. And he looked great. I was very excited. Maybe he was him. going to the keep. Yeah. <laughs> he had to blast his some energy. Hit, his eyes lit up and he was just <laughs> right. on his way. I'm on my way. Because isn't that his vibe in this movie? He's yeah. just like, shit, got to go to the keep. Like, that's like his arc. He wakes it's up a, in Greece and takes a boat to the keep. Yep. There's something weirdly keep, please. One modern about him in this movie where when they cut yeah, to him Scott for the Glenn. first time. Right. And even he's just supposed like to be hairdo. like an elemental being. And it's like, right. what's the elemental being? It's like Scott Glenn with blue eyes, like glowing eyes. When they That's cut to got. him, I was like, oh, so this is like a parallel narrative movie where we're going to cut back and forth between like the 40s and Scott Glenn in like 1980s Los Angeles. And then he showed up at the keep and I was like, wait, this guy's supposed to be in the 40s? <laughs> yes. Um, I had two things I wanted to say. Please. One. Say anything. Guys. In terms of just Michael Mann talk. He is like the opposite of James Cameron in our purposes in that he never makes the guarantor in a way. Yeah. I was and going yet, to ask where you placed his sort of big, you know. I mean, Heat is, sort well, I think Last Heat, Mohicans, Heat at this point is the guarantor. Yeah, Last of the Mohicans is his biggest hit adjusted for inflation. And I guess that was like, no one could object to that. It made double what it cost in America alone, right? You know, it was well received, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah, you know that that's what gets him heat, right? I, I have a take. Can okay. I give you my take? Okay, my take is he never has the movie that's enough of a hit to be a guarantor. He is weirdly the, closest, I think. the way he gets his checkbook is because massive stars right. want to work. He always with him. gets cast that that's are the eager. Is that, is that those people? Like you look at that run and it's like, okay, you have De Niro, Pacino, Tom Cruise, Will Smith, yes, Johnny uh, Depp. Johnny Depp Molasar. Molasar. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Insiders and weirdly. And Viola Davis and Black Hat. Yes. Uh, Insiders weirdly kind of an outlier because it's like Pacino was at the end of his leading man run and Russell Crowe was about to pop. No, but Pacino totally counts. Totally But, but I'm counts. saying the other guys were literally like the second or third biggest box office star at that right, moment. But every one he of always the, worked with the dudes who were at the fucking top. Every one of the post-heat movies, like Insider like kind of makes what it costs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ali doesn't make what it costs. Loses you know, a lot of money. Collateral makes a little successful more. Successful because they're... Awardsy. They're awardsy and they're well right. received. A collateral made more because of Tom Cruise. But right. you know, it costs a lot. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, public enemies did well. Oh, it costs a lot. Right? right. Like it's like I don't think anyone is saying like I want to be in the Michael Mann business because I love big bucks baby, right? No. Like that's never gonna So he's weirdly an odd choice for us, but then he always gets checks. Well the thing is Except not anymore. Right. The I thing guess, is every right? time like, he, Black seems Cat be, was he seems to be one of those people that has been forced into retirement. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's always it's kind of maybe of, making another movie, but he was supposed to make a Ferrari movie with Christian right. Bale. And now another for, right. mangled made mangled. a Ferrari movie and it's coming out this year. And secretly it's a Western. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, the uh, mangled cocked him, but it just seems like the industry has kind of finally had enough of the Michael Manns of the world. Yeah. yeah. Same with Fincher. Same, all these guys. I mean, same with Scorsese. Yeah. Kind of. And these are like these yeah. kinds of guys. Well, like, yes. 
Scorsese, the studios are like, fuck off. No, too much money. I don't know about that. I don't want to not make money anymore. So he goes to Netflix who will like give him so the maybe money. Maybe his movies perform better. Netflix should make a Michael Mann movie. He could not get The Irishman made with a studio. Well, but that's also because he was asking for like $200 million. And also well, he wanted the entire cast of vinyl to play right. the entire Well, One notable exception. There's one person. I'm not saying that Scorsese couldn't like ever get a movie made yes. again. But I will say, like, you know, these, he, these are all very interesting comparisons. And this is why I love Michael Mann is like he is so not one of those there. He has nothing to do with like the American cinema of the 70s. No. Which a lot right. of those people right, right. do. He, he's and, his own product. Yeah. Like yeah. he's you know, like when you hear these kind of comments where it's like Tarantino says like, oh, the 80s were the worst decade for American movies. We were just talking. You're about all this. about this the is 80s. your favorite. Decade. It's just you're like, actually, it's yeah. like America. a counterpoint. Actually, they're the best. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, you're kind of not that into the 70s guy. Well, I mean, of I course, mean, I always you, have been. But right, like, right, right. I just came to love the things that were of my lifetime more. So let's talk about some of the like, who are the 80s contemporaries? I mean, to then? me, it's like Schrader for Hogan. Mount Rushmore is like Michael Mann. Right. Schrader, who spans a lot of these things. De Palma, like he even has like sure. these '60s movies, yeah. and then he is one of those '70s guys, and then he's also one of those '80s guys. Yes. This yes. Rushmore and is he's a also serious like, coke problem. Yeah, it's a pretty. <laughs> The, the noses the, are like the alimony this Mount Rushmore has to pay on a monthly basis is through the roof. The uh, the, the, the concession stand only <laughs> only has whiskey and mountains of drugs and cigars. Oh boy! But like you know, like these kind of like and, and Friedkin, who again mm. like is a seventies sure. guy, but I think his eighties work is like phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like that eighty stuff is just very exciting, and it's much more interesting to me. But now, like the eighties, quote unquote. In like the Stranger Things sense, mm -hmm. close. <laughs> Telling you, make that mug. Yeah, I have the clip loaded. We're gonna um, look at it afterwards. Like the '80s had become like the Stranger Things bullia bays, right. and like the '80s is like when people say the '80s are bad, it's like oh, you know, it's just like the Goonies and like kids movies being made by studios. But They're it's just like give Amblin and yeah, and it's like, like it's like yeah. oh, but no, actually the '80s are to me like. Michael Mann is figuring like Manhunters in the eighties, American right. Gigolos in the eighties. Like, sure, but also the eighties like, were body, body, uh, body double, yeah. body, body double. Yeah, sure, like, they're both in there. Casting, yeah, like, he's one of your guys. It's like, him at right <laughs> he's he's maybe works in the, where he works in the concession. Part time <laughs> Caspanian. Um, but it's like those are really Pot exciting when you like look at the eighties. Like to me, it's like oh yeah, like Michael Mann movies mean that the eighties is very valuable. Of course, and this is part of that. But this is like this weird kind of fantasy movie that's not Amblin-y at all. I and guess. therefore, yes. no one likes it. And also right. doesn't really work as any traditional horror movie, which like horror is really robust at this point in time in American cinema. 100%, right. And this is like kind of a weird tweener thing that doesn't fit into any conventional horror because well, this is right. Because this is not a movie, it, basically. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I think it doesn't count as a movie. I mean, it's very watchable. Yeah. I actually like it. Yeah. There's things I like about it's it a lot. It's very captivating. It's very captivating. But like... It doesn't make any sense, and and if you ask the director about it, he's like, "Well, yeah, we never really finished it." it I mean, it's like you know, Piranha like, Two in that sense, or whatever. <laughs> These things where they're like, "I don't know," I let some Italian guy. Yeah, put his they name took on it away, it. and I, it's not like a done movie. I mean, the weird thing about it is there are certain things it gains from being hacked to death like that. Because somehow the weird gaps, the things that aren't explained, these like key like call, character right. developments that should happen. Right, it, it it's has... It's just the keep getting to you. It has this weird kind of dream logic to Darn it. keep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, though? Like it I does, do, yes. It feels like a Jodorowsky movie to me, where it's like, you just got a vibe on it. You can't make any sense of this thing. Right. 
And you the understand is, the basic yeah, principles. Right. It could be 30 minutes long or three hours long. Right. Right. Both valid. And it's valid. Sure. I, honestly, like, cause I'd seen it a couple times mm-hmm. and, uh, and Anna was like, I don't really need to rewatch the key. If you can watch that yourself. Sure. I was watching it. And first, I will say also, I said to you, Michael, man, and like before I was even done saying, man, you were like the key. The of key. course. You always want to pick the one that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Well, because otherwise right. it exists. The otherwise least. you won't have one of your top 10 longest episodes <laughs> about a movie that has no reputation and is essentially not important to that director's right. body of work. Sure. But I had seen it before and I remember thinking it wasn't so great the last time I watched it. And I really enjoyed it the other day. I really yeah. found it to be like in my mind, it was like a real like two-star movie. I found it very, like, aesthetically pleasing. Like, I I had a certain kind of, like, ASMR, like, kind of tingle through watching the whole movie. It's very, it's perfect vibe. I mean, that's, it's very very Griffin. He can do a wonderful vibe standing on his head. Like, yes, he can make these beautiful images and this perfect music easily. And he does that here. I I guess that's what's weird, though, is that it's such a different vibe than what he usually does. I mean, I I was reading through uh, an interview that uh, Roger Ebert did with him right after Thief came out. Sure. And Roger Ebert was like, this guy's the new triple threat. He's a writer, director, producer, and he's going to be the new, like Scorsese, the new Coppola. He's like, Ebert called that he was going to become the next guy in Mount Rushmore and that this was the film that kind of threw him off the path that everyone thought like, well, Thief is his mean streets and he's going to make his taxi driver next. Like this guy's going to be on a miracle run. Right. And everyone sort of checks out after Keep for a little bit. Um, and in that interview, A, he says, do you think you'll ever produce movies that you don't direct? And he goes, yeah, well, I have a lot of projects that I feel like I'm not the right director for. I don't have enough time to do all of them. Like, for example, I wrote this script called Heat that I'm really proud of. I think it's the best thing I've written, but I couldn't even imagine directing that thing. Huh. And he said that in like 82. Uh-huh. And then he makes LA Takedown like sure. 89. Right. And then five years after, he's like, fuck it, hold my beer. Like, I'll finally, like, make the thing. Um, But the other thing he said in the interview was, like, uh, Roger Ebert was asking him about his uh, style. And we were talking about how stylized Thief is. Like, how in his own way, Michael Mann is as heightened and stylized as Tim Burton, except it's a very different kind of style. It's a very extreme comparison. Well, he said, my style, I like to call it stylized reality. Like, I'm very obsessed with the tangible reality of the thing and getting all the details right, and then I'm stylizing what is real. Mm. Did, Which, ben, did Ben like the part in Heat where James Conn screams about his clothes? You mean in Thief? In Thief. Of course. In the car. When he runs down how much every item costs. Yeah, he's yeah. got the Rolex. Yeah. He's making sure. I love, too, how he just, like, throws around terminology for, like, classifying jewelry. Mm. Like, we all know what that means. He's yeah. like, it's a friggin' D! Yeah. Like, I... What? I don't know what that is. That's definitely my favorite scene in Thief where uh, he just screams about how expensive his tastes are. Ben scoffed at it and called him a cheapskate. Yeah. Oh, okay. You yeah. should, Alex, I got some, they, these boys found out about my taste. Yeah, he recommended a $5,000 shirt to me the other day. <laughs> well, you look good in it. Thank you. It looks great. Yeah. It's Patreon money right there. Um, right there on Griffin shirt. That is what's interesting to me about, uh, I mean, uh, Manhunter is, is very stylized as well. It still is like that sort of baseline, like he's working off of what reality is. For him to even want to make a fairy tale, for him to want to make a movie that has like magical elements in it, feels very odd with his whole like it's career. Very, it's very incongruous. That's why yeah. I was so excited. And it's entirely unsuccessful. I mean, it's not his strong suit. It's right. funny that he's never done anything that doesn't have like a guy with a gun running down right. the street. It, it's the it's the one. Like he never even, it wasn't like, oh, and now I can go back to that. I made right. 
I made the insider. Now I can finally like make my fairy tale again. Right. Right. He seems right. to have no interest in that. I mean, because he said like he read the book and didn't like it, but liked the idea of making a fairy tale for adults about fascism. What a gross phrase, by the way. So weird. I know the <laughs> most unappealing pitch in the world. But also, that is like yeah. the pitch for Pan's Labyrinth. Sure, I like, don't like here's Pan's a fairy Labyrinth. tale for adult. You don't interesting. Not really. Okay. I mean, I think it's okay. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that like you hear Guillermo del Toro wants to do that, and you're like, yeah, that seems like in well, line I mean, with that guy's sensibility. Certain, right. Right. He seems like he, a big fat child, right? But and Michael Mann seems like, like <laughs> someone that would like take a kid's toys away and tell him to like grow the fuck yeah, up, wise up to how corrupt. Yeah, it's the world like you're is. on the cash register because well, like, I gotta go take a cigarette break. But like weirdly, the sort of like five year old, sort of you know, like if there's anything in here that seems like it excites him, it is the sort of like relationship between corruption and one thing he always does is he always makes bad guys seem very appealing yes like that's true in this movie you can see why he'd want to try to make something that's vaguely nazi-ish like he makes bad guys seem kind of cool well and that like or in his best movies extremely cool right the the tough guys making (laughs) tough decisions like here's a man backed into a corner that's like i mean it, it feels the thing that he's connecting with here is the ian mckellen character where it's like what is he going to do in relation to the Nazis? Yeah, sure. Like you could see him wanting to be like, well, you know, I like the idea of a movie that's like people guarding something. Right. In my mind, it would be like a safe full of money, but this is good enough. It's some sort of spiritual barrier. Okay. Michael Mann wants to make a horror movie. It's about a supernatural creature that's attacking Nazi soldiers. So they hire a Jew to try to stop it. Sort of. I mean, here's sort of, here's what I like about the keep. I mean, or like, I think the setup of this movie is great. The beginning is very the elegant. The first 20 minutes, classy. you're like, oh, this is this has to be a good movie. This is like high art. Because it's like, yeah. we've come to this crazy it just feels, set. It just feels like Sorcerer, which right. at this time was like a yes. movie you probably couldn't mention in Hollywood without being Without someone thrown vomiting. Right, right, exactly. But, but it like, feels like that. It's this set that's like very stark, mm. you know, and and actually cool, not yeah. like trying to be right. It's just right. like keep set with the, the, keep, with the, the crosses. The big yeah. fucking pile of yeah. rocks with we- these weird crosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're Nazis, so you're like, okay. Jürgen Prochow. Jürgen Prochow, yes. And everything with Nazis and the supernatural is of interest. Exactly. Any kind of Nazi spiritualism stuff is is weird. And, yeah. yeah. So they're walking right, around. It's so weird. This is coming so soon after Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, like, right. After, like, you understand how he could sell this movie. Maybe. I mean, when I'm watching the movie at first, I'm like, is it all about Nazis? Did I forget something? Right. But you, you know, Scott Glenn's going to show up. Ian McKellen's going to show something up. Something I did write much later is that this movie has no main character. No, it does it not. No main it like keeps, not even. It keeps close. introducing a main character, mm. but then they are not the main character. Well, Scott Glenn is top build. He is top. And build. apparently, he was supposed to be the main character. Right. And they cut out most of his stuff. Why yeah. is it that when movies get cut, it's never from the beginning? They always cut out the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, it's it's like we need to cut an hour out of this movie. Just cut out the end. Right. You're a big <laughs> proponent of most movies can start like forty minutes middle. later. Yeah, right, right. This could start with him just waking up. Like you right. know, yeah, they yeah. Open, yeah. They open and, the then, key. and then we'll figure it out. The Nazis are there. Right. Yeah. They, but they I kind just, of only but it is all good. Scott I like Glenn that idea they where they're like where he is. I, right. Which you yes. know, because yes. it says Greece. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to Scott Glenn. Yeah. But like, I just like that idea of there's these crosses. They're not cross crosses. No. But they're things. Yeah. They're in the Carpathian Mountains, which is already also cool. It's like right. Transylvania, yes. you know, adjacent. Right. It's like a Jewish pyramid. It's a weird golem pyramid, maybe. Yeah. And some Nazis are like, this must be silver. Let's take it. Yeah. And the custodian or whatever he is. Yeah. Right? First, they're just like, this is your new outpost. Yeah. First, they're like, we just have to live here. Yeah. And yeah. they're stringing up lights. Yeah. They're but, like, oh, got stuck on Monster Guard again. <laughs> someone tries to take. I, my favorite thing is just someone's trying to take the cross and the custodian's like, don't do that. 
And no one's like, why? What, explain exactly what would happen if I took the cross. They're mm-hmm. just like, mm, all right. One of my and favorite. Like, no one makes an announcement to everyone. Like, by the way, the creepy guy with the beard said, don't yeah. take the crosses. Right. You know what I mean? Well, like, they have no reason to believe him. One of my right. favorite things is anytime that they're like, wait a minute. These aren't keeping things out. They're keeping something in. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, so, that's you're right. Best. That's such a good yeah. reversal. And this right. hits that pretty yes. quickly. And it's very exciting. I remember that was in the preview for one of the exorcists prequels i forget if it was the schrader one or the ready harlan one uh-huh. Uh-huh. but there's like a reveal of statues in a church and they're like wait a minute i think it's the harlan these one. spears are pointing down they're not protecting us they're keeping You're things right. from coming that up is in the trailer yes i remember the and spears pointing I, down. I was just like oh, i, 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 I think love that. that was the line in the trailer that got me to see that movie. yeah me too yeah anytime anytime that something was revealed to actually be keeping something in i'm i'm excited so now like the movie is great at this point like Yes, Nazis are there. The keep is well all designed. about it. And then, some, had you seen it before? Yes, I'd seen it one time okay. before, but out of like completionism, mm-hmm. largely. And I think I had watched that terrible version. Yeah. Um. And uh, then some Nazis pry open a cross, right? And they get exploded. They get brought, <laughs> yeah. which is also cool. That is nicely done. Super cool. Yeah, the corpse is really. It's also interesting yes. because yeah. like practical effects like Michael Mann doesn't really do that either no like, no he's not a special effects not guy at, not at all this no. has and, to be like the only one and in yeah. fact is now like really regarded as being like such a master very practical, practical exactly analog. Yeah. he basically like teaches you how to rob a bank like that's what the movie is right but it is done well it's done very well and I like the whooshing wind stuff you yeah. know the sort of uh, in and out and when they open the cross, they kind of found out, like, you know, there's something below the keep. There's like this big cavern. There's like a shot that pulls all the way down. Yeah, which is so cool. There's Love the all of this. Creepy and then guy we with cut the beard. to Scott Glenn in the yeah. movies. Right. basically like derailed almost immediately right. when it should be off to the races it sent goes off to the golf course yes and you're exactly. like can we get back to the races that's the thing i like all that and they're like all right now let's meet scott glenn ian mckellen in a wheelchair and gabriel byrne like in quick order right. with no real I feel explanation like you met byrne by this point I, no because they because he shows up when they bring him in when yeah. they die he's right. the heightened yeah. because he comes in yeah. and he's like it's definitely these romanian peasants who exploded a guy shoot yeah. them all and they just keep saying like eight of our soldiers have died and then the right. next time they're like six more have died yeah you don't get to like, see when? any of the deaths but you do see like the it's sort a of couple like the the hole at the bottom of the keep is like moria it's very yeah. exciting very cool yeah. very and good idea it seems very ancient it's like believable that this is very threatening yeah don't don't take the crosses can we say uh, what are they gonna do with the crosses anyway like who's around who's like them, them you dummy they only want the one because they're all nickel except for they're one that's silver right. yeah yeah um, the silver was real good though don't that's the important one. They also do look like tinfoil. They do. They do. Yeah. Uh, They're they, very, very poorly. I wonder done. if some prop guy like stole one and still has it like <laughs> embedded into his wall. Uh, the creepy beard guy at the beginning who's like explaining. The custodian guy. Right. Uh, what's his name? Uh, w. Uh, Morgan Shepard. And he says right. like, my father did it. His father guarded the yes. keep. His yes. father right. created right. the keeper. The voice he's doing, which I looked it up because I was curious if he was the dude. He sounds so much like one of the movie trailer guys. He does. Not Don LaFontaine, but one of the other, like, in a land where everything has turned evil. And then I looked him up, and uh, that's not, like, his voice at all. That's, like, the voice he chose for this character. But the way he's, like, explaining, like, the mystery of the keep sounds like he's just doing the voiceover for the trailer of the movie he's in. I also like where the Nazis are like, wait, wait, back up, back up. You live here? Yeah. Like, are you in charge? Are you a religious person? We don't and he's just like, I, I do my job. Like, I my do father my job. did it. My son will yeah. do it too. 
There's, and I, yeah. I, it's the 20th century. You yeah. just like make sure no one disturbs this pile of rock. Like, you know, if the check clears, I don't question it. <laughs> but this is like, I wrote down like when you cut to Greece and then you meet Gabriel Byrne, this is like in the 24, 25 minute mark. Yeah. Like, this right. is basically a third of the way through this. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Short movie. Yeah. Yeah. And everything up until here has been very nice. Love it. But then they like find the weird Cyrillic writing. Yeah. They find the weird writing. And they're just like, let's go get that old Jew who we're keeping locked up. <laughs> Right, because we've yes, seen they do. we've seen McKellen on a boat with his daughter. Yeah, he's kind of infirm. He's very infirm. His voice sounds totally dubbed. It, it, it also sounds exactly like Gandalf. Right, I right. can't speak to the ADR. Like, yes, every yeah. everyone in it this sounds movie like it might have been ADR'd. him dubbing himself. Yeah, no, I but know. He it's... feels ADR. He's doing this weird, like Eastern European Gandalf voice. Right, and he's like pancaked in makeup. So, let's, and you're yeah. like, why are they? not hiring an old person. It's one of those, well, but... Right, it was Ian we, McKellen we was what. only like 70 in, when they made this movie, right? Right, right. right. He was he, still a he young was a man. was spry seven. But this, this is, I'm glad we're at McKellen now because this is very, I mean, I don't think of him as being in anything at this time, but I'm no. sure he was in He's, many things. No, I don't think so. He wasn't he in wasn't a lot in of time. things. He was a theater guy, mostly. It, it wasn't until like Richard was, the Third that he really kind of And that's why in 90? That's yeah. 95. 95? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find because you have to all right, not stage come on filmography I mean he's in he plays yeah, no uh, this is his this is honestly this is his fifth role but three of the roles are were made in like the 60s so like it's his second role basically interesting my, my favorite uh, Ian McKellen performance of the early 90s of course is him as uh, the seven last seals I knew you were gonna version of death I can tell you do you remember that that last action, action hero, hero he plays oh, oh, death right, yes, from yeah. the seventh seal right 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 which is another thing where when you look back at that movie, as with this, you're like, oh, Ian McKellen had a whole career before right. Right, he was Ian McKellen. Remember he pops up in uh, I'll Do Anything? Right, right. You know, He's like that's, weird he, director. he used to be like yeah. an English guy. Right. You know, who you could have play an English guy. But he's very exciting in this movie. I feel like if you made yeah. this movie today, he's still the guy you cast in that oh, role. Oh, no question. Well, he'd be so good. He'd be so good. I don't good. know how you de-age. I guess you would just like do That's the Magneto like an, yeah. filter on yeah. him, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's very interesting. He's very... Or maybe he just turns into Michael Fassbender. Well, he does seem to be playing that. Magneto in this movie. Sort of. He is kept yes. in this Jewish He's like cage. a Jew with magic powers. Yes. <laughs> he's been locked away. And then he forms an unholy alliance, you know, yeah. but, you know, but he's very tempted by evil. He's very exciting. But one thing about him is like, now you have Gabriel Byrne yep. playing a Nazi, correct? which he is not aesthetically qualified to do. Sure. Gabriel Byrne is Irish, Irish. as yeah, fuck. Right? Yes. Um, and Ian McKellen playing right. a Jew. I feel like Ian McKellen does anybody go back and forth between Jews and Nazis more than him? <laughs> that's a great because in Richard, that's a great Richard, call. Richard the Third, he's you know fascist. He's a Nazi, yeah. Right. Pupil, obviously, Nazi and then, you know. And then this, you got Bent. Uh, he's a Jew in Bent. He's a yeah. Jew in the X Men uh, movie. Magneto, is, concentration camp survivor. Yeah. Uh, yep. I don't think there's anything else in his filmography that I'm thinking of that's quite as extreme. Obviously, he played James Whale, which is neither. But yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, he's played a couple other Jews. I'm trying to remember. I mean, the, the polar bear in the Golden Compass is Jewish. Right, that's kind of yeah. Well, Gandalf, Gandalf is Jewish. He's Gandalfowitz at Ellis Island. <laughs> he he brings a big platter of locks to the hobbits. Right, yeah. At the start of the movie. Come on, hobbits, come on, take it easy. We eat, God. Oh, get the ring when we get the ring. Uh, he <laughs> plays Gus the theater cat in Cats this year. Is Gus the theater cat Jewish? Gus is you know either a Jewish name or a Nazi name. <laughs> I look. I don't want to do an episode on cats. Okay. But I definitely want to do just a performance review of Cats. Okay. That cast is so insane and those characters are so stupid. 
I'm going to be very interested well, also, in seeing. Cats is just a performance review because right. the plot of Cats is that a bunch of cats do a performance review. Who plays Bustopher Jones in the movie? And whoever okay. wins I, gets to go to heaven, right? Uh, Bustopher Jones is being played cats? by James Corden. How do you oh. feel about that? Um, yeah, that's okay. You want to do it? You want to run it down? Yes. Okay. Idris Elba, McCavity, Rebel Wilson, Jenny Annie Dodds. Well, let us let us react. Okay, Idris Elba, McCavity. Logical. Okay. Very logical. Rebel maybe, Wilson. Maybe this, it, Idris Elba's in that fastbender zone right now. Yeah. Where it's like, is this guy bankable? I don't know, but let's cast him. In you everything. know what I mean? In everything. In everything. Let's he's just been like in that zone him. for a while. He's been, I guess he's been in it I for mean, a few years. Pacific Rim was quite a few years ago. Oh, he's canceling and the he's apocalypse. In Prometheus, right? Yes. So he he, is in he's literally in that fastbender zone. That's true. Like, he was in the yeah. zone there. But now yeah. he's taking like clear lead or clear villain roles. Yeah, let's That's not. Weird. We don't. Yeah. We don't need to react to all okay. these. Though. All right, Rebel, fine. Rebel Wilson. Oh, wait, are you worried about timing? No, I want to save the timing for man. I've okay, okay. like Judy Dench, Old Deuteronomy. Uh, obvious. Ian McKellen, no. Gus the Theater Cat. Right. These are those are lazy choices. Those Taylor are just Swift. Like, okay. Yeah, Bumble Arena. Excited about this. I was so into that. James Corden, Bustopher Jones. Sure. And by the way, I got some intel on Schrader for the piece about his Taylor Swift. Of course, big fan. Yeah, I got about why he thinks she's so great. But he'll talk about it in your your thing. Well, not to, you know, subscribe to the Criterion channel. But it did make the final cut. Well, I mean, we haven't finished yet, but. We're getting to the good shit. I mean, there's one that I really want. Jennifer Hudson, Grisabella. Sure. Right. Yeah. Jason Derulo, Rum Tum Tiger. <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> Who is that? Jason Derulo. How, how does one describe? I mean, he's not an actor. No. Uh, he's a singer. He's like an R&B singer. Yeah. Uh, he's famous for saying his own name in songs sometimes. Right. Jason Derulo. Are they in the, ma- are, are they going to look like they look in the, in the stage show? Well, that's uh, a great one question. One can only. Or is yeah, it going what to be like the cat here? in the hat? Michael Myers. We must they should do that. He, also, he should be in it as the cat in the hat, right? He should show up. Closes the book at the end. <laughs> right. I hope they literally just take the cat in the hat makeup yeah. and have them all wear that. The yes. exact same. But there's no, I mean, is there a chance that there's like special effects in this movie? I don't or know. Are they just d- wearing the stage makeup and the oh, leotards? It's Tom Hooper. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. From the twisted mind of Tom is Hooper? This, this is Christmas this year? Christmas. Yeah. It's literally opening the same weekend as um, uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. I want to, I want to have a movie on the blank the blank check picture slate. Okay. Ooh, that's a goal for the end of this episode. Do you want an existing one or do you want to pit like you want I don't know. You want to see pro. I'll see what's in development. We got okay. we got a couple good good ones developing without any talent attached. A remake of The Keep starring Griffin as the Ian McKellen role? <laughs> yeah. No, you got to keep McKellen. Griffin can be the daughter or something. I'll be the daughter. Yeah, maybe <laughs> McKellen has daughter. some other. Yeah. You would yeah. Uh well, let's go back to McKellen. I feel like okay. he is so fun to watch. But he does yeah. like basically he literally says as he does in Fellowship, they are coming, they are coming, they are here right. in this movie. Yes, he says, I am Gandalf the Grey. Yeah, he's Gandalf the Grey. He literally Grey. says that in this movie. I wanted a scene where after he gets touched by Molisar, he like does a dance, sort of like the Six Flags guy or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's Grandpa Joe. Yippee! You know what I mean? Right here, he's like, I can yeah. dance. Yeah. You know, like that, that would have been good. I feel like one thing about that, which is a very exciting scene. Yes. But it's almost entirely shot from the reverse where you don't see Molisar's face. Well, because that is that. We should mention Molisar is the name, which is never said in the movie, I believe. I don't okay. think anyone says that. I mean, but in that scene, is a Molisar, he's mostly dry ice. Yeah. Right. He's not right. yet been revealed as a. But basically, well, I mean, it's a, you know, let's assume people maybe haven't seen the keep. Okay. Basically, like they bring him in to read the Cyrillic and then mm. they just lock him in a room. I yeah. do like that they bring him in and he confirms what they've already been told, which is like, oh, no, no, he actually translates it properly, right? It's, yeah. he's like, I wrote down that he says, I will be free. Yeah, right, right. They 
anyone else who reads the Cyrillic is like, it just says like banana, potato salad, like table leg, right? Like, but also it's nonsense. Like I can read it, but it doesn't but mean But he is anything. in like a camp when they find him. He's, he's in like a camp, behind Barbara. But he's like an expert on the mysticism of whatever, you know. And his he, daughter the, reveals that he is 48 years he's old. He's 48 years he's old, but he's- He's hard 40. He's, he's, yeah, he's a hard He's got 40. some city miles on him. Um, and- he in the book, it's like you know, it's it's H.P. Lovecraft shit. It's like Molossar is some ancient yeah. demon, right? right? So it's from that. But then time. in the movie, he's represented as looking like Apocalypse. He literally looks like Oscar Isaac's Apocalypse. Okay. So apparently, like any, I mean, was, even just the original Apocalypse, the non non movie. It's apocalypse. fair. I mean, but the original Apocalypse at least has an A on his belt, so that you know who he is. You know right. who he is. You don't right. forget his name. Yeah. What a cool name Apocalypse is. It is amazing that no one no one had taken that one by yeah. like the seventies or whatever. Yeah. Like where the time apocalypse shows up. Big apocalypse fan. He um, rules. He's great. He's stretchy. Things. Go ahead. Of course, this character sort of like materializes more and more every time you see him. He starts out more sort of uh ethereal. At first he's really just wind. Right, right. And light. Sort of bringing some weird synchronicity to the Hollow Man episode. Right, which then he sort of becomes like skeleton, then just sort of muscle. Then he starts to have more and more of a human form. Apparently the idea was that he was moving towards looking like Scott Glenn. Yeah, he was going to be take like Terminator form. The as, final uh, fight would right. be good Scott Glenn versus bad Scott Glenn. Right, right. Instead, right. he is like this, like just kind of like stunning, like brick. Uh, yeah. I do think he looks really cool in the muscle form. But the other thing was apparently Michael Mann could not decide what he wanted the character to look like. This is I've read this too, which is insane. Yeah. I can't really imagine it. This so like so. What does the villain look like? He's like ah, I'm still thinking about it. Like as they're like building this set. But they but, were like but make was, sure his yeah. make sure we have a mold of Scott Glenn's face. Right. <laughs> right. But there was like a contradiction where it was like he couldn't make a decision, but he also was very specific in knowing what but he, he didn't like. want. Right. Right. So right. he kept on being like, no, it has to be exactly like this. Yeah. And they would make it, and he'd be like, I don't like it at all. Uh, and this is presumably wall shooting, or at right. least close to it. The other thing was they hired a, a special effects uh, effects supervisor yes. who died two days into post production, right. and he had not explained to anyone else how what he his was going to do it. Were. Right, right. He was a two thousand and one guy. This is right? another yeah. one of those like real. I mean, that sounds like the plot of a movie where someone yes, dies dope. with some secrets, but that feels dubious. Wa- right. Wally, I, Wally Weavers. Totally true. Name. I mean, it seems to be repeated a lot when you yeah. read about the key, but how can that be true? Man said that he oversaw most of the special effects himself. Like right. he ended up taking right. on most of them himself. And I think they had to reshoot a lot of the stuff uh, with the, the creature later. Yeah. Well, when the creature first appears, the Nazis are raping uh, McKellen's yes. daughter. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. And he That's just comes no, as a big blob no, no of smoke. No good, very bad done. He comes as a big blob of smoke and then he touches McKellen and McKellen turns young. Well, but even before that, he like takes her away. He like rescues her. Uh, yeah. And like a shot that I wrote down is uh, genuinely beautiful. Sure. Yeah. He sort of like carries her off into the smoke and it's like very evocative. I like him best when he's uh, smoky. Yeah. I yeah. like I like the smokiness. I like the muscle guy. No, the muscle guy's cool. You're right. I mean, the muscle all, guy's cool. He's got the all, ridges too yeah. that you like. You Everything like those. Everything about uh, Molossar is cool. You Even know, when you see his like red hand. Yeah, his red hand's good. Red I wrote hand. down Molossar action figure question mark. Okay, so can I tell you how I mostly knew of this movie? Okay. This would be like, I, I spent a lot of time in high school, weirdly, on a horror movie message board. Right. Despite not predominantly being a horror guy. Mm-hmm. And there would always be certain people who were very vocal about wanting a company to make a Molossar action figure. Makes sense. There was always this group of people, because this was like late 90s, early 2000s, where like Todd McFarlane was making all the horror characters 
in action figure form for the first time. And there would always be people who would like bombard like the spawn website with requests for Molasar. And they'd be like, no one will buy this. We can't produce it. It had the McFarlane right. leather face. Right. It was like all of those characters that like finally were like being made for collector audiences from like horror movies and uh, the movie maniacs series. Mm-hmm. And I was on this movie maniacs message board that was like kind of general movies, but sort of more horror and like action figure stuff. And I just saw like a thousand fucking like not even gifts. It was like pre prominence of gifts, just like Molasar JPEGs. And I was like, oh, apparently some people think this is one of the great monster movie mm-hmm. designs. Mm-hmm. And then you watch this movie and you're like, the, the overlap between people who like this film and buy action figures has to be the six people on that message board. It cannot be larger. Than I think that. a Molasar no. figure would sell now. I would buy it. I think it would sell now. I will say I just Googled like Molasar action figure yeah. and Google was like, did you mean Pulsar action figure? Uh-huh. So Google's definitely not on my side. I with was that. trying to find the old forum post and I couldn't do it last time. Oh, it was my searching yeah. of this that led me to the, the merchandise spotlight that I Which shared. We'll get to. But okay. he's very cool. And so, yes, you're right. He merges with McKellen and then sort of yeah. becomes a full figure. And then McKellen is young. Right. right. The other thing that happens is you now realize why a. Why uh, a, a 70 year old man was playing a 90 year old man <laughs> because he's actually going to spend most of the movie healed, right. which is, by the way, identical to what happens in Two Towers sure. when they go to, to Rohan. He, he, he glows up. Oh, oh right. Yeah, and Bernard up. Hill gets uh, a. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the same yeah. thing. It's like yeah. someone who's really old and then suddenly the thing that's something happens. Sure. Yeah. But McKellen is actually sick. He's not cursed. He just. He's sick. No, he has like right. an illness. He, right. It's he's forty eight, even though he looks seventy eight. He has um, what's it called? A sclerodema. Sclerodema. Right. She's trying to get him to warm it up, turn on the furnace. Um, and that's the the idea of Molasar. I get the the plot. If it's happening at this point, at this which point, is things sort are of happening. Like, so this is where you start happening so quickly. This is where you feel like they just like cut out every other scene. And once right. again, Scott Glenn shows up at the inn, meets her, and they fuck within ten seconds. Right, and the the like lighting is completely different. And well, there's it one part where they're sitting inside, like, it, it, like talking. it looks like it's in like yeah. Roadhouse. They're sitting yeah. inside talking. And then it just cuts to them sitting outside uh-huh. with like the sunset. Mm. And then it just cuts back to them being inside, <laughs> but it's later. Yeah. So you're saying, right, they're literally just like cut, cut, cut. But she just like shows up and they're just like, there's some guy in your room or something. And they yeah. immediately have sex. Have we mentioned has, that his name is Glaken? His name is Glaken. His name is Glaken. He, he <laughs> Imagine is, the pitch meeting. Right. I'm thinking Scott Glenn and they're like, you're thinking Scott Glenn for the lead? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of Scott Glenn, but he's going to be called Glaken. Trismegedus. Yes. And he'll fight Molasar. <laughs> he'll fight Molasar. And they're like, all right, can they? Can he have sex? And he's like, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. sure. He'll have a sex. He'll say like, I mean, Glaken Fox. We should say that. <laughs> he'll say apparently Glaken and Molasar have been locked in some centuries old battle. Right. Will that be in the movie? Uh, Depends if you yeah. cut that out or not. That would be maybe. Yeah. Because the idea is not bad, which is like Molasar shows up, seems good. Here are some of the things he does. Right. Explodes Nazis. Yeah. Prevents sexual assault. All good things. Cures illnesses. Yeah. Seems like a cool guy. Rad. And he's like, yeah, okay, I may look like a big muscly, you know, smoke monster, mm-hmm. but don't worry about it. I'm super chill. Can you just do me one favor and go and get that uh, that talisman over there? Yeah. Maybe pull it out. And uh, bring it to me. Mm. And there's no reason Ian McKellen, who's like a good guy in this movie, wouldn't be like, all right. Well, know. he does sort of get corrupted. It's like a good bargain. He, he gets corrupted getting corrupted. A little it's bit by good, Molasar. 
you know, like you mean make bargains with evil to to defeat evil, right? You know, it's like a, it's a good fairy tale and idea. And you say to McKellen, he's like, you're working with the Nazis. Who are you to say like? Yeah, he, he was in a camp, right? But but that's what he's saying. He's like, are you help? Why are you saving right. the lives of the people who are trying to kill your people? And this would all be good and make sense if then the movie then does doesn't it just pivots to like Scott Glenn shows up and blows up Molasar well, and there's no explanation. His magic of why. power is his head can turn into the original theatrical one sheet for. Thief. When he glows, it looks like the thief one sheet with like his eyes blown. It out. also looks like the Arnie uh, model in the Terminator when like Arnie's like, "I'm now I'm gonna cut my eye oh. out," and then we cut to like yeah, oh, the robot oh, in like, yeah. mirror. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. One thing at this point is like, this is about an hour in here when mm. the monster. Did you watch this thing, Ben? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good. I uh, could not follow it. I, I thought it was fu- there's fun parts. The thing yeah. is, there's not this that- is what he looks. He looks like that. Yeah, kind of. Yes, he does. Yeah. But like. Yeah. So I have written here is like an hour and two minutes in Molasar appears in full. I feel like at this point, the movie hasn't sufficiently pivoted at all from the fact that like the rules of this world are different now. Right. Like it has mm-hmm. this insane scene where like a character sort of talks to a demon monster from the depths of the keep. Right. And then the movie just like goes on. Like none of that has happened. Right. And it, everyone is just sort of like, what's going on? It remains. But then there are occasional scenes such as Robert Prosky drinking a dog's blood. Yes. That suggests that like all kinds of chaos is unfolding. Yes. But no one explains that. And there's no like expositional sort of dialogue of someone being like the townspeople are really acting up. Mm-hmm. Right. I, like, I was also really confused because Ian McKellen's in a wheelchair, but then he's walking now. Yeah, he gets, uh, he gets cured. He gets cured. Is he like, like, it from the Nazis? I couldn't No, it's a glow up. It's a glow up. It's a glow up. By the way, I mentioned this, I feel like, to both of you at some point. But Ben, this needs, no one's brought this up since you said it on the record. You're saying in the Sense and Sensibility episode that if a character isn't shown to be lowered into the ground with dirt being thrown on their coffin, then you don't know if they're dead yeah. has changed the way I think about, about storytelling. About to just how to tell a story. Right. I can't believe that hasn't come up again on the show. Because your complaint, if I remember correctly, just for listeners, this is guy's that, on his deathbed. Then the, what happens? The so first scene is a guy on his deathbed. I think someone's literally like giving sick. him last How rights. do I know he's on his deathbed? Does the bed say death? I believe you use the term. Oh, he's on his deathbed. Wait, wait, wait. If if the bed said death, would that be acceptable? Yes, like then I would know it's a someone death just bed. like wrote like death mm-hmm. on the bed, and you can put it together. I death just, plus this. I thing. love the idea that now every time Alex writes a screenplay, he has to do a Ben pass. Just all the to make sure that, it flies by Ben logic. That ben has alerted me to are important. Yeah, but I do feel like in this movie where a lot of characters are kind of just said to have died. This idea of Ben's that like what happens to those characters? Yeah. But this is, a, I think, a really important Ben thing that's never come back up. Right. Unless it yeah. comes up in some of the episodes. Uh, that I no, no. I mean, it's it's a good one to bring up. It's oh, a very yeah. good one to bring I up. Could, Iconic episode. I could not follow it. I mean, the problem is that he is our finest film critic, so he throws out so many burning hot sort of points like that. Not even takes, but just burning hot truths. Burning takes. Burning takes. All but right. this movie, like, at this point where the villagers are going crazy, you feel like this could be really cool. Yes, And there starts totally. being these shots of what looks like a kind of scorched earth. Right. Which is exciting. Which this and, whole thing was shot in like whales or something. I mean, yeah, it looks it looks cool. It's like a big quarry. Yeah. And there's like a sense of the evil kind of coming out and there's these constant discussions of we can't let this escape. Mm-hmm. Uh kind of. Kind of. There's a oh, constant is maybe pushing it. There well, are discussions. Keeping in mind everything that I'm talking about happens within the last thirty minutes of the right, movie. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I also wrote down when he's in his full form, he looks kind of like Zed from Power Rangers. He definitely looks like Lord Zed, who is a muscle forward person. He's like mostly muscle on the outside. Yeah. It's yes. like, what if muscles were 
your skit. But you talk about like tropes you You don't like. have a Zed take? Zed? I was not allowed to watch Power Rangers. So just trauma. Did you see the movie? I did. I thought it rolled. I have a news. Oh, I didn't see that movie. I saw the the new one. Oh, you saw the new one. Right. But you didn't see the classic one with Ivan Ooze? No, was not allowed to see it. Wow. My mom. You're you're allowed to see it now. Was a fucking cop. She was like, sure. She was a fucking media cop. Uh Uh-huh. I'm allowed to see it now. I've uh, prioritized other things above (laughs) Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I've seen Turbo, obviously. I've seen Turbo Power Rangers. That seems like a potential uh, Patreon franchise. (laughs) Yeah, we could Uh, do the three. uh, It's a Spicer joint. Let me give you the three movies he made. Brian Spicer. Okay. It's a hot three. Yeah. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, 1995. Uh Uh-huh. McHale's Navy, 1997. For richer or poorer, also 1997. So he had a two-film year. That's film? the uh, the Kirstie Alley is yeah. it, uh, Tim Allen. It's like a comedy which, version of Witness. In which literally halfway in, Kirstie Alley goes like, "Is this just a comedy version of yep. Witness?" Like yep. she literally just says it out loud, which, and Tim Allen's like, "I guess so." God, what a funny joke! Is that what he says? Does he, He's like, "Sure." He, he doesn't go. <laughs> 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 And then I guess Spicer was done. Does he just do like TV now? Has he directed like 17 episodes of iCarly? He, he yes. Here are some. Yeah. I mean, yeah. His IMDb is just Magnum PI, Hawaii Five-0, Castle, like all, all the. Yeah. Bones? Yeah. Bones boy? Does he rattle them bones? He did one episode He did one bones. bones. Yes. He was one and out on bones. He does one one bones. I would like to see the bones boys, you know, Dr. Bones and. And special agent Mrs. Bones. David <laughs> I don't know anything about Bones. Well, it's the doc. Dead. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Emily Deschanel. Emily Deschanel she's Bones. she's Bones, but don't call her Bones. She's always right. like, don't call me Bones. And then and then Detective Boreanaz. Boreanaz, who's right. like yeah. a he's like a FBI guy yeah. or something, and he's always like, hey Bones, and she's like, don't call me Bones. All right. That sounds great. And they work for the Smithsonian. And then it went on yeah. for twelve years. Twelve years, <laughs> and they're always dealing with if there's some bones. You know, it's they're like tra- I'm right. if the cops find like a regular corpse, they're like, okay, let's call CSI. Yeah. And if they find like a bones corpse, they're right. like, we got to get bones in. <laughs> and so in comes bones. Uh, I feel like bones would be good in the keep. You bring them in. I agree. Uh, oh, this guy got bonesed. I mean, I know, this, the, this Nazi is bones. This does feel like a, a, a great potential X-Files episode. Yes, yes. definitely. Um, cool, weird Frank Lloyd Wright designs. I have a point crypt. I'm going to get yeah. background to off of that. But uh, Barry Josephson, main producer on The Tick, was also the main producer on every season of Bones. Really? And a lot he's of a bonezer? He, he was like the bones guy. And uh, a lot of times when like things are going wrong on set, uh, he'll like relate experiences on Bones. <laughs> and I always have a hard time not laughing. And it's like this no just disrespect. Like bones. Hey, sure. I mean, you I you, just you find do bones. Bones inherently funny. Bones. Bones I, feels it's the like the fact that it's called bones because I remember this back season four. Of bones. We had a real tough time with this. Bones feels like a joke show in the BoJack Horseman the universe thing. that Mister Peanut Butter has been on. I mean, and look, he's laughing all the way to the bank. Like he bought a house seasons. on Bones. Two hundred and four. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's laughing all the way to the massive lawsuit against the studio. Uh, excuse me, my friend. He won that lawsuit. Oh, he just the, he just the, made out like oh, a bandit. Because yeah, for some reason, Bones was like at the center of all Rupert Hollywood Murdoch economics. Right? Claimed that oh, all, despite sorry. running for eleven seasons. Bones never turned a profit. <laughs> we kept we kept re-upping it, just thinking like maybe they this were is losing the year. money. So they did this thing where they like sold the syndication rights to other companies owned by Fox, right, right, and sold it for a discount. Was like we couldn't get a better price, so we're losing money on the show. Right. Unfortunately, Hulu really bent us over the barrel, <laughs> and they were like, "You own Hulu? What are you talking about?" Oh God. And they Hollywood's did like the so same stupid. thing with FX. So Barry Josephson like filed a lawsuit against uh, uh, Fox 
right as Disney was gobbling them up and like as of two weeks ago won and is now, uh, uh, I don't know, going to buy a country. Um, did you know that in it's Bones- like the biggest lawsuit like ever in terms of like what if you uh, just use that money to self finance indefinite seasons of the tick? I oh god, I fucking pray. Uh, no, it's one. Of the, there are a lot of these cases where like someone sues to have the studio open the books because right. it was like everyone who had profit participation on that show never made money because they were told that the show was losing money. Oh, so that you mean they? So they essentially just got a check for twelve seasons Correct. worth of profit. Correct. Whoo. Bones. Bones. Did oh. you know that in Laughing Bones... his way to which I, I, I watched two seasons. By the way, there is nothing you could say after that setup that the answer will not be, no, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. The like sort of third or fourth most important character, Angela, mm-hmm. who's like the, I don't know, she's like the computer lady. Angela. Junior Bone. Or she's a, she's a digital bone. Angela. She has this like, Bonist. you know, um, what do you call it? Like an Iron Man style 3D projector mm. thing that she's okay. always fiddling with. Yeah. In the second season finale, I think it's sometime she's re- it's revealed to be the daughter of one of the guitarists from ZZ Top. Bones. Now she's not <laughs> like it's not like the actress is the, the daughter. Character is revealed. The character is revealed to be the daughter of Billy Gibbons, who is playing himself, who is not the actress's father. And this is revealed as like I never told you, but like Billy Gibbons is my father. And then what? And he like shows up and he's like playing a guitar. What ripple effect does it have None. on the show? I don't know. He just shows up and plays Tush and gets out of there. <laughs> yeah. He shows up and sings a bar of legs. And like the actress is played by like a, a Chinese American woman. It like it's never explained. Wow. Anyway, I just wanted I mean, to tell you. You got, lot, you got a lot of Bones theories. Look, we, we can have all the You're fun laughs more we want. about Bones than you have about anything in I'm the I'm really trying to get you guys A movie made by idea. one of your favorite filmmakers. Yeah. The Keep, you're like at a real even pulse. And now that yeah. Bones is being discussed, you're going crazy over there. We can mock it all we want. Emily Deschanel is about to get a cool $40 million check. A lump sum $40 million check. I'd love it. Bones. 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 All right. Back to The Keep. Oh, <laughs> God. Alex, we hung out recently and we were talking about mm-hmm. how especially with like uh, genre films, yep. uh, supernatural concepts, that uh, it's it's always kind of fun to apply the Twilight Zone test. Yes. Which is, is there any reason this story couldn't be it's told just, in 30 uh, minutes? Right, right, right. You watch Twilight Zone and those stories are so dense. There's so much going on. Right. There's real characterization. There's like full story I mean, the arcs. Twilight Zone is turns, good. Right. This but, is also just an endorsement of the Twilight oh, 100%, Zone. 100%. Right. But the you, X-Files is like that too. You go like watch a Twilight Zone episode and then watch like a film like this and go like, is this film taking advantage of being full length? Sure. Or is it just a spaced out Twilight Zone episode? Right. And this is like definitely a movie where like there is a 30 minute version of this that is coherent. Mm-hmm. And as I told you, it's called The Howling Man. Yes. It is in the season two of The Twilight Zone. Looking That's my favorite up. Twilight Zone. Yeah. That's your favorite? That's my favorite Twilight Zone. The plot of The Howling Man is that like a guy comes to a monastery and he like finds some guy in the basement and the guy's like, these people have me trapped here. Let me out. This is crazy. These people are insane. These monks are mad. Sure. Then he goes up to them and he's like, so you have this guy trapped in your basement. Should I let him out? And they're like, no, that's the devil. <laughs> and he's like, that's not possible. 
just and because like, he like doesn't believe in the devil or he's just like there's that's just that's some crazy. guy it's right, just some right, guy right, right. and they're like you have no idea what it took to get him here he's been here for a really long time <laughs> don't let him out weird that no one's posted at the door but yeah. sure yeah. well there's all these monks there right, 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 and the whole thing is him like talking to this guy about whether or not these monks are crazy or this guy is actually the devil Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to this. I love the idea of something. It's such a good idea. Yeah. It's amazing. And the the show does it in like 25 minutes. And um, it's perfect and has the best ending. And it's just about like trapping evil. It's about whether or not you believe in it. Have you guys ever seen uh, Season of the Witch? The, 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 no, the Cage, Cage movie? No. I have never seen that. So I have a, seen the Vin Diesel movie. What's that the one The Last called? Witch Hunter. That one. Yes. Right, which I've is based that. off his Dungeons and Dragons campaign from Correct. high school. Right. Uh, Season of the Witch I love. It's like uh, Nicolas Cage and Ron Perlman as like buddy knights. Yes. I remember Adam Pally on a podcast once who, you yeah. know, you're friends with, uh, telling a story about how Ron Perlman at one point just goes, oh, fuck. And yeah. he's like, did anyone even pretend that this was set <laughs> no, in Europe? There's like, like a big running device <laughs> did, in the did movie. Did they just decide not to? Like, <laughs> There's a big running like device in the movie that like anytime one of them saves the other person's life or like does a cool move, uh-huh. they go like next round of beers on me. Sure. Which I know beer existed in medieval <laughs> sure. times. No one was saying that. No one was going, hey, I'll get the next round. Right. There's a lot of like anachronistic shit like that. But they're essentially so you're saying like, it's kind of like a like a Robin Hood men in tights. Yes. It rules. I think it's super fucking good. It's a Dominic Senna. Sure. And Pearlman and Swordfish. Nick Cage. You must love Swordfish. I haven't seen Swordfish in a while. Uh, let's go watch I think Swordfish. We, right wasn't now. there some joke at some point that I, mean, I forget who I was making this with it? We like to make actors. Audition with yeah, the we Travolta. Yeah, we did this on, yeah, the, on the podcast. Show. Okay, yes. that's why I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, that. All right, familiar. carry on. We talked okay. about it, but now I, I, Griffin knows Season this. The, the new thing I like actors to audition with is Kevin Spacey's Let Me Be Frank. <laughs> oh, Jesus. If you can make that thing sing, you can do anything. It's like it's like putting like the weight. They have to do the accent of as course. well. Okay. How do I know if they're a good accent? So it's like yeah. at the beginning of the speech is like in foghorn like horn voice. Yeah. Like is of like, course. How do I know if they're a good actor? I don't want to see what you've got. I want to see your capacity for for mimicry. Right, well, right. But right. also that is literally like the swordfish challenge of yeah. giving Hugh Jackman a blowjob and pointing a gun in his head and being like hack into the Pentagon right, right yeah. now. Right, like it's like there's so many strictures being placed. No, on but it's you. also Why did like swordfish come up before. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, it's an yeah. incredibly important uh, piece of 2000s uh, filmmaking. Uh, it's like putting the donut uh, weights on the baseball bat right, when you're right, practicing right. so that once you remove them, you can like only hit homers. <laughs> like if someone can do Let Me Be Frank, they can they can do anything. I was, yeah, I, I was so happy that Let Me Be Frank turned up in an ad read. <laughs> I wasn't. When Griffin did, just debuted that, uh, excuse me, I believe you're mistaken. When Foghorn Leghorn right. walked oh, right, into this right, office, right, right. a man who has nothing in nothing common with, nothing with Kevin with Spacey. All right, what were you going to say about Season man, of the Witch? Chicken, I say, I say, I say, There's Season of the rooster. Witch. Well, there's a rooster. I say, I say, I say, uh, bones. Um, in Season of the Witch, Nicolas Cage, Ron Perlman are like buddy knights. The opening is like them going through like different battles, like through like the crusades and shit. Sure. Just being like, next round on me. And then you see them drinking beer and then you see them in their next battle. And it's like, next round's on you, drinking beer. And then they like need a job. And so they get a job where they're like, look, we got this witch. She fucking (laughs) sucks. Can you just transport her? It's a midnight run. Like they essentially, it's the midnight run setup where they're like, here's a witch in a cage on wheels. Can you bring her to the temple we need to bring her to to kill her? And the witch is Claire Foy. Claire Foy, yes. In a really good performance. A young Claire Foy. It's right. like one of her first movie roles. You're just a bunch of boys. Does she say that? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie is them like making it through the swamp and the marsh trying to get to this uh, church. 
And she's trying to convince them the whole way, like Twilight Zone style, that she isn't a witch. And these guys are like being tested constantly of like, are we becoming like the the executors of an inhumane sort of witch hunt, literally? Or is is this a witch who's manipulating us with her wiles? Right. And the twist at the end witch of the movie, wiles. which is one of my favorite twists of all time, is that she's the devil. Oh, she is the devil. The twist is she's not a witch. Right. Witches don't exist, but she does have powers. She's the devil, and that's why they were confused. Anything that's like any, I mean, again, this goes back to like so-and-so is keeping something in. Yeah. It's, it's like right. anything that plays with this is inherently exciting. Rules. But could be done in a Twilight Zone runtime. Right. But this one, I mean, I'll say this movie gets a lot out of its mileage. You better it's be like, talking about The Keep now. You can't still be talking about Season of the Witch. I'm still on Season of they the Witch. They go on a lot of little adventures. I like what you, in Season of the Witch, much as I like in The Keep, much as I like in, what was it? That's right, the oh, Howl? The Howling Man. Much like in yeah. Bones, much like in The Howling Man. Yeah. In Bones, it's easy top. I always like the idea <laughs> of like, you didn't even see all the work we had to put in yeah. to getting this guy in here. I love right. That. Right. Me That's too. always the best part. Right. Exactly. It's like you right. just see like the edifice we've had to build yeah. around him or whatever. Especially for you to walk in, muck up the whole situation. And that's right. like the underground realm here is very well designed. And it very is. Cool. Yeah. It looks And it's great. very strange to think about how they got Molasar in there and what happened to his other body. Yeah. yeah. But somehow... Gaelic. Is that his name? Glaken. 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 I don't know how, how you forget a name it? He's like, like that. back. He just like is back now. I think he's it's in love just, with, he's in love just, with the daughter and McKellen's like, you have to help me kill the Nazis. And then right. they're just teaming up, right? Like, Well, it's like Glaken. He says he's here to destroy the beast, implying that yes. like yeah. this is this long back and forth. Right. Right. And he has. They're going to do this dance forever, you and I. There's that moment where like, and, and Molasar is saying to McKellen, like, get this, you got to pick up this talisman and like, mm. bring it out of here, bring it to me. Right? Like, he's yeah. he's tasked him with that. Yeah. Even meanwhile, though Molasar is a body at this point. He's a body, but he can't touch it, I think is right. the idea. Uh, meanwhile, Glacken has sex with Eva, the daughter. And they're in love now. They're in love now. Madly. And then they, they go up to the keep and then the Nazis like shoot at Glacken. Well, because McKellen tips them and off. And he turns he's green. Sort of like, right. McKellen is kind of getting corrupted by yes, Molasar. Very corrupted. Right. And right. then he falls down and turns green. He turns green. Uh, he has like green squibs and, and green eyes. Yeah. And then he's falling and he's like kind of glowing green. Yeah. And then he's kind of out of the action for a while. And now the town is like destitute. Like the town is a everyone's dead or a runaway or something. It's like a which none of which level. you've seen, which no. is weird. That's and all sad. except for Robert Prosky drinking a dog yes. plug for one minute. Um, and then from here Griffin's on out, just it's checking all, his emails right it's all now. talisman. No, I'm not. I mean, it, well, yes, I am. <laughs> it's all like talisman business here. A lot of a lot of Griffin slow does seem sad that we stopped at Messi's walking it's a really to good a talisman. Movie. I wish you guys had seen it. No, I'm sorry. It was a time sensitive thing. Uh, I wrote the talisman looks like a flashlight. It true. does look like a flashlight, That's true. and then. All Scott Glenn needs to do is sort of push it in to right. another flashlight yeah. to create, I guess, like, you know, the ultimate nullifier, right? To, to create the weapon that will end all evil. Yeah. Right. And somewhere in here, I like, this is when I noticed that, like, we've seen these sort of demonic supernatural elements. And then there's like five minutes of just Nazis fighting about their chain of command. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's that whole thing where Gabriel Byrne is like, the answer is definitely kill more villagers. Mm -hmm. And Jurgen Prochnow is sort of trying to be like, can't we not be Nazis? You know, he has this sort of like argument of like, look, Jesus, like I know we're evil, but and you know, this, at this point it's they like, have like an argument this over feels Nazism. Like, this is like a Michael Mann thing where like this kind of relationship of power and authority and corruption is of interest to him. Sure. Mm -hmm. But the movie has gone so far past this. At this right. Point. The movie at this point is an elemental battle between good and evil. Yeah. 
And so this scene in, in which a, ends with uh, him dying. Which but was, that's yeah, where you can see one, this being a three-hour movie, even sure. if it was a shambly assembly. Because you imagine there's a movie where he gets to explore every one of these things equally. Perhaps. I wrote down here, uh, do you think playing Nazis will ever be subjected to PC equality? Sure. Like, mm. is you that, mean like you have to be a Nazi to play well, like, Nazis? You have to be of pure blood. There's so much like you have to be, you know, right. like, no, you have to be, but like people haven't been given a chance to tell their own stories. So sure, don't sure, cast sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson in, in uh, whatever. The, Robin, I think Robin it's about Tug, time right. we stop, we start stopping Scarlett Johansson from playing Nazis. I think that's hit its expiration. Well, like, played too many. The spirit. Sure. Not, Black Widow. Nazi silken floss. N- Nazi adjacent. But do yeah. you think this is coming? Because watching Gabriel Byrne be a Nazi and then thinking that McKellen could either be a concentration camp victim or a Nazi. Yes. Will, they, or will this just be something that no one cares about? Because I there's think, no one speaking up I on think behalf of... people prefer the rule of like Nazis can only be played by people who definitely can't have been Nazis or be related to Nazis. Mm. Because when Bruno Ganz played Hitler, yeah. it was like such a story where it was like, oh, German guys playing him? Like, I don't know. Like, well, that seems touchy. The guy in this movie, one of the other guys who I thought looked familiar, and then I looked him up, and he was Dietrich in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I was like, oh, this guy was just the go-to mm. sort of Aryan Nazi dude in the 90s and the right. 80s. Who is that? Do you remember his name? I'll find it right now. Wow. Uh, yes, uh, Wolf Collar. Right. Wolf Collar. Right. Right. Born in 1940? Okay. (laughs) Um, He also played Yuri Andropov in Firefox. Okay. And he played a Nazi doctor in Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows? Yeah, but his, like, IMDb photo is literally just him (laughs) in Nazi uniform. Yeah, that's gonna get you That's his headshot. But there is, like, you know, that's, like, a real a durable kind of character actor in a certain kind of movie at this time is just like, you know, the Nazi kind, like Klaus yeah, Kinski played many Nazis. 100%. Do you yes. think anyone will ever speak up and be like, Gabriel Byrne is a Nazi. That's not fair. Let, let that role go to like a true blooded Aryan. Don't, like, <laughs> don't like, like if they're playing a priest, yeah, call Gabriel Byrne, but like yes. this is I mean, unacceptable. Great, great you Wolf, cannot. Wolf Collar is a German born character actor who thanks to his height, six foot two, and blue eyes was often cast as a Nazi or unsympathetic German character <laughs> in his career. Like, how many Nazis did Rucker Hauer play? Many. Unsympathetic German characters. Uh, he also... Hauer, of course, is does. He's like an oxymoron. Right. He played the fucking right. German commander in Wonder Woman. Like, this guy's still mostly doing still, that's his, World that's War One, um, World War Two militant Germans. Right. Just slap a uniform on Nazi him. officer in Cockneys versus Zombies. Gabriel Byrne's haircut in this movie is also... London. Yeah. It's also very extreme. Gabriel Byrne's yes. haircut is very weird. And his, like, he's so sallow-skinned. I don't know. I, Gabriel Byrne feels a little lost in this movie. There's another movie yeah. I just, from it's this weird, era, that he's, he's so good. Oh, Excalibur. Doing, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, which movie. he's f- incredible in. Where, but that he's dialed to like 100 in that one. He's sort of yeah. playing the Ray Fiennes in this. And sure. he's not the right energy for that type of role. Yeah. It might also just be weird because it's Gabriel Byrne. Right. 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 He's still around. Gabriel Byrne. He got lit on fire just recently. Lit? What do you mean got lit on fire? Hereditary. Oh, oh, oh. He goes up oh. in flames. It's yeah. great. Yeah, no, Gabriel Byrne's fine. Yeah, okay. Oh, I got Byrne. worried for a second. Oh, no, I think as far as I know, he's doing okay. Lovely man with a kind soul. I don't want to Mary Talon Barkin. Was. For many years. Right. Um, but yeah, I, have, I feel like we're pretty much... Well, because once then there's this big Glacken fight. shows up, right. it's, he, there's he just, no fight. Glacken right. is sort of killed, he seemingly, but then, yeah. he, but then he comes back. Right, grabs right, like right. a pink spear. Yeah. 
and then plugs they fight. the talisman in. Mm-hmm. Ian McKellen sort of has that late revelation of like, oh, you're evil, right? Like I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're bad. Right. He's like, hey, you shall not pass. <laughs> he very much says that. You, you uh, shall not pass. And then apparently there was like some battle they were going to film that they like didn't have the money for. Yeah, this for. is interesting. I watched the extended ending on YouTube. Oh, there's the, an extended oh, ending on YouTube. Yeah, it's not any of this like special effects no, stuff right, that got right. cut. By the way, for people, both of them just grabbed devices. Yeah, excuse me. Um, it basically, I, I, like, I'm Googling the ending. It's yeah. like, apparently the TV broadcast included some footage that had been used in the trailers. Weird. Which... Plays it, which by the way, like what a fucking time to be alive where that was just like if you watch something on TV, you might see this. You might like, just see like 20 extra footage. minutes that right. someone had for some reason found. There's something going on here where like Scott Glenn is sort of like so basically falling like, through space. So the movie like ends with a with a split screen. Right. And then basically what this extended ending is, it's just like another five minutes. Okay. Where she sort of goes from that split screen and then there's like a bit more with Glacken who sort of has survived. And they walk off together in a sort of like tacked on happy ending sort of thing. Right. Where he's not, on the Wikipedia. It he's says, not trapped in the keep with Molisar in this sort of extended uh, television ending. Because uh-huh. of this, several new endings had to be filmed long after the crew and several original cinematographer had left the production. <laughs> Originally, <laughs> man had sign. two ideas for the film's climax. One with a battle between Glack and Molisar on top of the keep. One taking place inside the keep. The original climax that man chose involved Glack and Molisar in an f- epic effects laden battle on top of the keep tower that ends with Glacken opening an energy portal that blasts forth from the ground of the keep. Right. It was to be a dimensional portal, which would have had similar effects to the Stargate in 2001. After that, Glacken would materialize in the cavern below the keep by a pool and be reawakened as a mortal man. Okay. Maybe Scott Glenn. With the constant production extensions, film's already well over budget. Paramount refused to pay for the filming of the additional footage, so the simplified ending man put together for release film was a weak, somewhat unsatisfactory compromise. The other thing it says here is he had originally built Molisar as an animatronic, and they spent however fucking much money building the animatronic right. and, and brought it to set and filmed it, and then he was like, nah, I don't like this. Yeah. And then they had to start over make it a suit for a performer to wear, and then reshoot all that shit. Uh, that sounds bad. They shot for 22 weeks. Okay. I would look at this. 22 ending. weeks is long, fair right? Long. I'm not that's in the biz. Half, that's almost half a year. Yeah, That's a, it's a fair amount of time like a to sink into five a movie. Month, yeah. Five month shoot. That yeah. basically will never be complete. Yeah. And there's, you know, 90 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And grossed uh, $3 million. Crazy. But yeah, it, uh, like, you know, the endings are sort of like, they're all unsatisfying. They are. Um, but then the whole town kind of reverts back. Like all the, the terror. They, him being mm-hmm. blown up is all that town needed. I mean, it still has the issue that it's under Nazi control. Yes. That's going to be. Well, most of the Nazis have been killed. Sure. Maybe they'll send some more. I kind of like the idea that Hitler makes it his number one priority to figure out what's going on in this keep. And it's just like throwing Nazis at the keep. Like that would be a good sequel. <laughs> I like any. Return to the keep. I yeah. basically just like any the mummy style. Uh, you shouldn't have picked up that fucking brick. Oh, You're yeah. ruined. Like yeah. I'm just always into that. I love that in the mummy, the the Stephen Summers mummy. So much of the plot is him needing to get his internal organs back because each American took one jar uh-huh. and he has to like annihilate them one by one. Like movies need more of that. They need like villain business before he turns into a big thing. I also love the thing in this movie where it's just like Scott Glenn is awakened and then like every 10 minutes you cut to him on like a motorcycle or him at like a diner on the side of the road. Right. They're like, where are you heading? And he's like, somewhere important. 
Like sounds, it's just this looming threat of like good. the guy's coming, the guy's coming, and then he shows up and he's just like power sword. It's vaguely Scatman Crothers in The Shining and yes. his sort of approach. Right. The biker in uh, uh, Raising Arizona where you're just constantly cutting to him getting closer and closer. I think one of the deleted things that I read about online was that like he charters that boat from Greece and then kills the people on the boat and there was a whole like the sequence showing that he's sort of like something bad as well. That he's like the other half of Molossar. Yeah. What a weird fucking movie. You never really know what Molossar wants. As you said, he, he wants to get out. Killing yeah, Nazis, yeah. which is valid. A home, a family. But yeah, that's a good point. It's not like Molossar says, like, once I'm out of this keep who boy, I'm going to kill so many Nazis. Or he doesn't have, like, a pitch. I'm they do talk finally going to write my novel. <laughs> right. Well, this does happen in the Twilight Zone episode. Where Musings by Molossar. A sense of, like, you know, if he gets out of here, X will happen. Sure. Right, right, right. It is very exciting when they sort of, you know, I just, you know, the idea of there being a keep is very exciting. Well, all of these things it that we're talking so cool about, the, the sense that... of, of looming progression, mm -hmm. uh, objectives that everyone's circling around trying to figure out how to uh, uh, realize and complete, sounds like it would be perfectly uh, suited. I'm losing my ability to speak English. It sounds like it It'd would be, be perfectly, perfectly suited. suited for a board game. Ah. Well, I lowered my glasses. He did. You're in luck. Griffin, because I found such a board game. Whoa, what? <laughs> can we play it? There's a fucking keep board game. Like, is they it, thought can I, like, kids were going to want to play the keep it's at home. It's not on eBay, but there's a thing I found that I sent about yeah, it. Yeah, and like board game geek. But it's not, you know, there isn't one on eBay for $5. But it seems to be one of those 80s board games that's just kind of like squares and pieces. Yeah, there's like a maze. You move some pieces around. You got to yeah. stop the monster from It's not like a modern, out. like a modern board game of the keep would be very exciting. But that would be like an adult, like oh, yeah. serious. It would be like the, an adult, the adult fairy game, tale right, of right. board games. <laughs> yes. Right. There was a board game and there was also a role playing game. Wait, there there's was like a, a Dungeons and Dragons game? style role playing game. Guys, should I the buy the keep yes. board game? Should I buy yes. it for the okay live show? And they were forty bucks. Oh, it is on, it is on there. Uh, it, uh, board game geek. Okay. That's where you gotta okay. go. David just pulled his wallet out. Yeah. It you is in the board game or the role playing wait, game. Wait, wait, oh, you, you want get, me to get the role playing game? Maybe I'll one get one. Too? You get the other. <laughs> what is what is Ben playing? Ben just found a board game called Too Many Bones. Okay, well, too many. Okay, well, do you, th do you think that they were really counting on this movie, like hitting that they had this merchandise? I mean, this is an. Do you think it was just like they took they brought in the merch guy because we're talking this movie's coming out what five years after Star Wars six years? Yeah. So then now there's like a Paramount merch guy. And they're like, here's the script. What do you think? And he's like, uh, a board game? Like, he, he's, they're sort of like, you think toys? And he's like, we can't make Nazi mm -hmm. action figures. Okay, all right. Toys are out. Toys are what out. What about Molossar? It's like, no, no one wants a Molossar. figure of the big main demon. No, but you, do you think they're like, what about Molossar? And he's like, sure. What does he look like? And they're like, Michael Mann won't tell us. <laughs> so they're like, all right, okay, then Molossar's out. And so he's like, it's like a keep. It's like a maze board game. Like, I guess can we do it. like snail's pace race? But it's like. But as like, I mean, this is an R rated movie, right? Like an R-rated adult 100%. fairy tale. Yeah, it has boobs. And they, uh, it has explosions. And like explosions. they still were just like, we'll make a game. We'll make a board game. Um, I just uh, placed a bid on the keep uh, role-playing All right, so you're game. after the role-playing game. Can I just I'll, read you I'll this from the, the back? Game. You guys are going to own the world's majority of keep-related keep merchandise. I just like in the board game, there's like character I do, cards. I do like those cards. So this is uh, compatible with Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. You can use this hmm. with Dungeons & Dragons. With Advanced so that's second. It says edition. advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not as good because I I can play Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm not as good at the older editions. Can you, well, let's play the keep. Uh, <laughs> it's produced by a company called Roll Aids, which I imagine they probably changed their name a couple of years later. <laughs> um, but here's what they say: the keep is a faithful 
and detailed fantasy role-playing adventure based on the major Paramount Pictures film release of the same name. Not only will it pit you against the forces of death and evil, but also against the might of the German SS. Okay. Keep features a new set of rules and charts that let you include modern weaponry and tactics in fantasy adventures. Designed for three or six characters. Nine I mean, that sounds so great. The thing is that this movie, I mean, again, I really did enjoy this this viewing of yeah. it. Sure. It sounds great on paper. And when Anna was like, so why didn't we like it last time? It's just like, well, I think when you hear that there's this kind of like vaguely lost Michael Mann movie right. about Nazis and this big Romanian thing and it's you got want a tangerine a dream score yeah. and you watch it and you'd be like well it turns out that everyone was wrong this is one of the best movies of the 80s the right. score is so weird because it's very like melancholy like it's not like a thriller score at all i did a bit of tangerine dream score research and it says that the soundtrack for the keep yeah first of all has like this whole complicated realistic uh, history of never being properly released because i was like looking for these tracks so there's this whole complicated history of the soundtrack of this movie where like it was based on previous Tangerine Dream music. Oh, weird. So neither Paramount nor Tangerine Dream owned it. Weird. And it was therefore never released. And every version of the keep has had different score in it. Right. Like I guess if this Crazy. print screened, it yeah. would have a different score than what we saw on streaming. And the VHS supposedly also has a different score. Man, and then they so never much. sold that's it. Insane. And then like a couple years ago or 10 years ago, they sold 150 copies of it just at some concert. Whoa. Which is very highly sought They just after. like self-produced. They were around. just like, we're wow. finally going to release the score of the key. Wow. But then you look at it on Wikipedia and it says, this is like Tangerine Dreams, 19th score and 47th album. Yeah. They have a hundred fucking albums. They, you know, like that. They just do that every two Wait, minutes. Tangerine Dreams is coming to the studio? Uh, I hope that's the setup for an ad read. Right. There's a, a Tangerine <laughs> Dream. It's a, it's a theremin. Yeah, yeah but I, mean, I saw Tangerine Dream a few years ago. Uh, before <laughs> one of the main members. That's good. That was good. It's good. Uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. One go of ahead. the main members died like recently. Oh, Tangerine yes. Dream? But like, uh, yes. uh, like two or three years before that, I saw them at the a patriarch. church on the Upper West yes. Side, which was very fun. Ah, that's cool. Oh, Jesus. Their past members list is fairly long. Yes. Uh, okay. Everything on every list on their Wikipedia <laughs> is long. <laughs> <laughs> Look how many lineups they've had. My God. And yet it's always three people. Maybe four or five people. Now. Has there like this is their lineups graph. Yeah, right. It looks like like I don't know, like an SNL cast. And then that yeah. one that's unbroken must be the one that just died until yes. it's it ends. Edgar like, Froes Fro Froes yeah. uh who did just die. Yeah. Uh, this is like a very, you know, like what, what I cool love dude. about stuff like this and the sort of like claiming this is like, you know. I feel like it's hard to understand like a Michael Mann filmography without the curiosity of curiosities. Oh, not yeah. every director has a great curiosity. Sure. No. Right. Right. I feel right, like a right. lot do, but this is like a curiosity to rule them all. Uh, here's a very serious question. A, he even did the curiosity big. Right. That's the yeah. thing. Like, yeah, he can't do anything by no. him. Like, as right. I said, of like the Friedkin curiosities of the Guardian and Deal of the Century, like those are unwatchable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right, right. But if you do Friedkin, I'll do both of those. Okay. We'll do it as a double bill. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, we, at, at Kim's, we had a sealed used copy of Deal of the Century for the entire time I worked there. Wow. Wow. And no one ever cracked For it three open. years. And no if one, you had I'm cracked saying it no one open, ever bought it. Right. Molisar would have escaped. Yes. Right? That was actually it. They right. trapped him in a DVD of Deal of the Century. <laughs> one uh, thing that's... In, which Kim's did you work at? The one on St. Mark's. The real oh, one. Yeah. The original. Did you go to I the, missed, did you go to the Jersey the one? No. Because there was one in Jersey. Maybe around the time you were living there. No. I, didn't, I wasn't familiar, but I went to Kim's all the time. 
I rule. I went interactive. for records. Yeah. That's why well, I, I think the vinyl was on my floor for a couple years. Oh, word. What, I what almost was your... definitely, I don't know if we've talked about this. I almost definitely traded in DVDs. To you. I was my, no, I was, I, I, you were the buyer. Definitely. I did a lot of buying. Yeah. Um, if you how, came during the day. How long oh, yeah. did you work at Kim? Three years. Mm-hmm. Almost exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost definitely sold you like season two of Seinfeld. Well, so that Jesus. I could buy whatever fucking... season three of Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, season two <laughs> right. was on the uh, season one and two were a single package. They were because season one's only four right. episodes. But so you remember think, another yeah. thing that we had that sat around forever was like I forget what they were, but it was like these DVDs. It was like AFI presents, and it would just be like a one-hour thing with some filmmaker. Okay, but there's like one of Michael Mann that they sat were like around. a talk. Just like, yeah, it's just yeah. like a sort of extended <laughs> special. You don't feature. know what he looks like? No. Look him up. He looks exactly like you think he looks. Yeah, he looks like a lawman okay. from the you know 19th century. Oh, you know what I think those are from? Because I'll sometimes see those like outtakes on YouTube when AFI would do their like a hundred years, a hundred blank specials. They would like pick filmmakers sit them down and be like we have like an hour of your time pick like 12 movies you want to talk about from this list so they would like cut in them as talking heads and whichever ones they pick like I've seen 40 minutes of Spike Lee being like pass pass like they're reading it off to him this is my thing yeah, it, you have to do them all. It's the De Palma thing. You have to do them all. I don't care. No, because they're not talking about their own oh, okay. films. Oh, right, they're right, right. talking about the AFI list, and they're going oh, like, sure. "Spike Lee, do you want to talk about the Searchers?" And he's like, "No, next." Yeah, but in terms right, of like okay. the Michael Mann director cut, like he seems to have said, as we alluded to earlier, that like this one's not worth it. It would be too difficult. Yeah. The materials are too disparate. This is exactly right. what I want to see. Like the key director's cut. Though. Well, it seems yeah. like one of those things. It almost seems like one of those things that would be done by fans. Yes. Like a fan reassembled. Like the thief and the cobbler. Yeah. Now There'd be like, some yeah. Kickstarter or something. Right. right? Like yeah. That's how there it was, would happen. There was a Kickstarter to make a documentary about the making of the key. I feel like I saw sure. things about that. It and might it, exist. It raised a fifth of its. Uh, Asked for right. That's the budget. thing. The keep is just never going to be important enough. But people are rapid. It's just a small. But it's very hide. small. Yeah. Do like, you remember like the Nightbreed director's cut a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. There was like all the like as it got similar to the Metropolis thing. As it got more extended, mm-hmm. the footage got lower quality. Right. Sure. To right. the point that like twenty minutes in this thing that was like released and available for sale. Yeah. Was off of a VHS with time code on it. Oh wow. <laughs> You can't even get the time code off. Well, that's no, like, it's burned into the yeah, only copy of the right, dailies right, that right. Clive Barker had in his house. The Manhunter director's cut, like Shout Factory just put Manhunter out, and the director's cut is like noted additional scenes are in standard definition. You know what's very, huh. that's very interesting. So I don't huh. think he ever did like a full hmm. proper recut. I'll say yeah, this yeah, about, yeah, about the idea of a Michael Mann and a sort of tinkerer. Mm-hmm. Thinking about like, uh, you know, just like the power of DVD, as mm-hmm. we all know and love. Love it. Like, director's cut is a very exciting phrase because mm-hmm. it, it makes you feel like there's something different. Sure. But nothing was ever more exciting than the phrase alternate ending. Yes. Alternate ending oh, is yes. the best one, it's which is usually phrase. in a circular sticker or something, right? Like, yeah. it's like. Yeah. yeah. The biggest selling point. But to say that The Keep has multiple possible endings. What's the last movie that did that? Had like an alternate ending? Like, cause I remember like Napoleon Dynamite came back with a new ending, um, you know, like where movies would do that occasionally where they'd be like, it would be re-released in theaters oh. and like, Hey, come and there's a new ending. Well, Avatar was re-released, but not with a new ending. I'm just talking like as a DVD. No, I, know, I know what you're talking about, but I'm thinking of this gimmick. Uh, I am legend. Yes. And that was for Blu-ray, but that they were like, Blu-ray. we pointedly have a totally different ending mm. because people were so unsatisfied 
they like finished the effects on the other. Well, they, Twenty-eight they, days later, I think this isn't also. an yes. ending, but you know, they just re-released "Star Is Born" with like new songs. They did, yeah, they did. Yeah, it's a very old-timey gimmick. Which I weirdly, even though I love that movie, like had no interest in attending. I was like, I already did mm. that. Mm. Like, I'm very emotional about that movie. I don't need to. Not a real starhead. Well, that's how I feel about Miami Vice too, where it was like there's a director's cut. I was immediately suspicious. I'm like, I don't understand how you would improve that movie. Does Michael Mann still hold your faith at this point? 100%. Even though he, you know, sort of tinkers with and occasionally fouls up his movies. I mean, people say that. Oh, yeah. I don't mind that. I, cause the Black Hat is better, right? Have you seen The Black it? Hat no. just makes it make sense. Right. It's like he put it back in the original order. Okay, the clock the is ticking. What is that a countdown to? To Ben kicking us out of the studio. I, um, I, I'm, I mean... Maybe by the time this episode uh, posts, there'll be more news. I'm trying to get the Black Hat director's cut for you guys. Okay. Did you know that I was, do- did you know that no. I was doing yes. this? No, I told you that. Okay. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Because we we want to be able to screen the Black Hat Yeah, I'm trying. Cut. That's I'm, our dream for the end of this I can follow series. up, but I'm I'm trying to track it down. Right. Yeah. Right. From someone at Legendary. I mean, I, Black Hat. I, I, and, right. you know, Black it's Hat not rules. the person responsible for losing $100 yeah. million dollars yes. on Black Hat, but... Still works there. Black Hat's the one where it's like every other man movie. You're like, look, you know, it didn't it make a ton, six. but yeah, like right. it cost a hundred. Black Hat's made, the one we're like, oh Jesus, it made nine. <laughs> Did it make nine? It like opened in January, and I think like January fifth or something. Right. It, it opened like, like first week of January. I think it it opened in like the Kevin eight. Hart comedy slide. It made slide. eight. <laughs> I was overshooting. That's a stunt. That's a stunt. It crawled to eight. It, it made eight oh oh five nine eighty. You know, opening like, weekend was four. Or five. Three point nine. Wow. I mean that's that's it's that's wild. catastrophic. A movie directed yeah. by Michael Mann came, starring, starring Thor, Thor came right. out in like recent like while we were doing yeah. this podcast or right before yeah. we started it. Yeah. But this, this in January, yeah, released by Universal, this I saw it at the Court Square, Court Street Theater, with no one in attendance. I remember going to see it during whatever that was, like the last major snowstorm where people are like, you sure. might not be able to leave your house for three days. Right, and I was like, fuck, I want to see Black Hat before the snowstorm hits. And I went to the theater and was like, I might get snowed in. I might have to spend two days in the Magic Johnson Theater. And that's a that's a chance I'm willing to take. Right, right. But this is like this really refutes my notion that he's like become an, like one of the guys. Like, yeah, it was weird how no one showed up for that fucking I mean, that's movie. a bigger bomb than I think any other major director has had in the last decade. That's one of the biggest it's, bombs it's, of all time. It's a, a huge, it's indefensible Because it bomb. truly was an over $100 million budget, right? Se- it's it listed as 70. I think it probably. It may have cost more. Yeah. But it also, then and then he was like, a director's cut, it airs on FX only he one screened time. screened it once at BAM. Screened it at BAM one time. And not time. even FX, he put it on Epics. No, I, I recorded it oh, off really? FX with ads Crazy. and I watched it. Yeah. That's the only time I've seen the director's cut. It moves a crucial event from the end of the movie to the beginning. Right, which at the beginning of the movie, uh, but there's also, it, right. We'll talk it, about it on the Black Hat We'll episode. talk about it. Black Hat we'll episodes. Episodes. <laughs> One thing I did think during this, uh, Ben, obviously the clock's gone off so we only have another hour. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Here's okay. I, sometimes I like to Start think the of the new clock. Sometimes then. I like to think of overtime clock. It's hit zero Start and now clock. it's going up. Sometimes I like to think of uh, fictional movies. Sure, like mm-hmm. movies that like, oh man, that would be great. Mm-hmm. I have one that I think will excite both of you. Okay. Perhaps David slightly more so. Collateral is what two thousand three. I was going to say four. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. four. Michael Mann's four. Mission Impossible three. Oh my god. <laughs> 
Like, could you imagine a better movie oh my existing no, in no, the world than, I, if, no. than if Tom Cruise like so he good. was floated at some? If well, Tom because, Cruise was just like, I'm gonna do what I do. Yeah, you're yeah. my you're my guy exactly. now. Right. I loved making Collateral. Yeah. You're you're gonna fix Mission Impossible. Like, can you imagine how good? Because my my friends and I we used to always oh say God. that the best thing would have been that would be if so after good. Titanic as a palate cleanser, Cameron made Mission Impossible two. Oh my God! And right. just like totally analog oh action movie, right, right, and it would right, be right, profound. Right. Yeah. But now yeah. this has replaced my ideal. All, all my fake movies are Mission Impossible sequels. Well, well, they should be. Wait, right. three was Fincher. No. Originally, then Fincher quit. Oh, uh, they announced Car- Fincher. Carna- Before right, that, right, it was right. Fincher. Fincher mm-hmm. was developing three. Mm-hmm. They announced it. He quit. He was like, I don't want to be doing franchise shit. Then I feel like there was a point where a couple names got thrown out. I feel like I remember Man being on that list. And then Cruz saw Narc, hired Carnahan. Carnahan right. was two months away from filming. He quits. Had Cruz seen Collateral, though? That seems like the obvious. I, well, this is around he, the time he's making collateral. Yeah, I mean, it just seems Carnahan was hired after Cruz saw Narc and was like, "What a movie!" Right, and that's uh, O2. Yes, and um, I feel like that's when it happened. I feel like after Carnahan quit, at a moment there yeah, was Carnahan like, quits in July two thousand four, so that's right when Collateral's August, coming out. Right, I feel yes. like Cruz put him on a list for a moment. But to here's do three. this is the re- no because it's like, um. 2000 July, Carnahan quits July 2004 yeah. and there's that famous story of like Cruz saw I mean, Alias like he right. like holed up in his house yeah. and watched it all and called Abrams almost immediately mm. yeah like the only reason he wouldn't do this to man is they had just finished a movie yeah right and at the collateral premiere I think is when Jamie Foxx buttonholes man and is like we should do Miami Vice and pitches him on this whole thing with like a license plate as the final shot before they cut to credits do you know what we'll talk no. about this on the Miami okay, we'll Jamie Foxx had like this hole where he was like, here's how we begin. Like he like he's yelling at my and Michael Mann's and he, like, sure, he let's put do headphones it. on Michael Mann. It was playing <laughs> right. Lincoln Park. Like, yeah, <laughs> this will change your life. I, you know, but what's, what's but you're right, because Carnahan is like a you know, yeah, D-list Michael Mann. Like it's right, right like yes. it's like if you're and going I, for that energy. If that, right. He was jazzed on I just like moment, I just yeah. there's yeah. nothing that I think is a more tantalizing non-existent movie than Yeah, no, that would rule. At that time when like there's really not a lot of special effects and he wouldn't have done them anyway, and those Movies don't have them. Right. But he's never done anything like that. What's no. amazing looking yeah. at his filmography after watching this is like, they're all, everyone feels like a passion project. Yes. Right. Which is crazy. You can't say that of very many. Everyone filmmakers. feels like he swindled uh, a studio into giving him money. Yes. Right. Like it's like that he tricked them somehow. Yes. Somehow. And like right. everyone feels absolutely like the thing he wanted to make at that time, even this to some strange extent this is the weirdest one though what, what are you looking up no you i was, got, just, you got, I was you got. trying to see if i could find any moment where michael mann was like rumored for one of the mission possibles but it does feel like i mean now that mission possible has become one director's franchise and it's moved away from the like new guy sure, every right. time it does feel like that's the only way that michael mann would get a movie made ever again well it's sort of like how if it Fincher... was part of a franchise like that where the actor was like i demand that you hire right, right. like if if hemsworth like, was like michael mann is doing thor four Another not, not opposed, I, but see that doesn't seem like he would. He would. That no, doesn't I seem don't like think that would he be. He can make it an adult fairy tale yeah, about um, fascism. Well, actually, now now you've changed my mind. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no. The man. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, fuck. Uh, yeah, it's like World War Z two, right? right? Like that's how Fincher was going to get back in, right? Um, right. But also, like Michael Mann's like seventy six. He's seventy eight. He's old. Wow. And he's he like, just put out a uh, book. book. That's why he's on Instagram. Yeah. He's promoting his book. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, the last time he tried to do TV, too many horses died. 
Like, it's not even like, well, I'll just go back to TV. Like, he's done TV. That's there's, not exciting There's to nothing him. like luck where they were like, a horse died and people are like, oh, that's sad. And then like two days later, it's like, like three more horses died? Like, it wasn't like one more horse. Sounds weirdly like the plot of The Keep. Yeah. It's <laughs> like these, they, they just kind keep of, dying. Right, maybe they, but like, oh, have you seen luck? No. God, it's weird. Nolte. Nolte and Hoffman just are going, right. like, there's no plot. It's so weird. The craziest thing is that I they watch renewed again. it. Right. They unrenewed started it. Started season two. They filmed yeah, they started, for like yeah. six weeks and went like, I'm sorry, too many horses are dying. <laughs> like the bad press was coming out about the horses having died while season one was airing. Right. They were like, horses be damned, we're going ahead. And then they started a new season. Five horses died in like halfway through the first episode. And they were like, we're cutting yeah. our losses. Because Mercedes rule, there was like a deadline story that was like, Mercedes rule is starting her comeback. She's largely been <laughs> off the screen. And now she's coming back. She's the new co-lead of season two of Luck. Right. And then six weeks they were like, JK, JK, LOL, LOL. They were like, JK, LOL, LOL. Yeah. Told you, JK, JK, yeah, LOL, they, um, LOL. They uh, uh, tell me you love me to that And one. he what? Yeah. He directed the pilot and the then pilot, was kind of like yes. an overseer? Was an executive. Uh, was an overseer. Yeah. He only directed the pilot. Yeah. Mimi Leader directed an episode. Terry George. Yeah. Like he brought in, you know, uh, Philip Noyce directed yeah. an episode. Wow. Once you get to it, I hope you cover like his weird kind of 2000s producing career. Um. Yeah. Well, we got to like I the mean, aviator. The like aviator. Other, like, right. He wanted to make. He just seems like one of those yeah. guys that like develops way too much. Yes. And then doesn't end up making half of what he. And knows. and he used to be able right. to do that because so many A list people wanted to work with him that he could set it up and they would buy it at the promise of you got Brad Pitt attached. The other thing is that all of his premises, if you give them as ben an looks elevator, pitch, so happy right now. The keep. All keep of on his, keeping on. All of his movie premises at, in the form of an elevator pitch sound commercial, especially combined with those actors. Yes, and then he ruins them by making artist, movie. Artist, right. artistic movies. Right, the, but you understand why people kept on giving him $100 million because they're like, it's like a gangster movie with Johnny Depp in 2010? Nine. Nine? That has to work. Christian sure. Bale. Right. That movie has one of the insane casts. Of course. That movie is crazy. That movie has such a good cast. I can't wait to see. That's the one I've only seen once. Me too. Yeah. It's the I'm only one I've only seen once. I liked it a lot. When we did our time. little series when Black Hat came out, we didn't revisit in it. In my famed spreadsheet, it is Christian Bale's only nomination. What? Isn't that crazy? You don't like Bale that much, right? I like him fine. That's crazy. That's the only time it's you've tough to make the five. Ben's leaning that microphone like, like he's Tom Jones. It's tough to make the five. <laughs> tough to make David, five. do me a favor and eat a bowl of farts. <laughs> tough to make the five. Tough, tough to make the Sims oh five. Oh my God. He is so proud as he says that to me. And poor Ben it's looks like he was going to say Ben was the about the to. Five. What were you going to say, Ben? Uh, I want to sort of on the record okay. say okay. why I think. This one's coming out in May. Yeah, I think that man May. May the fourth be with me. Uh, I don't because I don't know enough about if he has like he's had hits, but we're talking about his flops. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say I feel like his pseudo intellectualism is like this thing where it's like it's not for smart people, but dumb sure. people don't really like it. That's the best way I could explain. That's it. very apt. He's, you know, he, these are smart movies. These are yeah. not they're, like they all. But they're have... also kind of about little boy subjects. Like they're about like like sure. cowboys and guns, Indians right, and right, like right. cops and robbers. I mean, and the collateral is are, like kind of rough around right, the edges. Right. The pitch of collateral is something a child would come up with. Right. Like, what if a cab driver, like right. you know, like you know, that is a that's a great pitch, but it is a kid pitch. Right. Kid pitch. Kid that's pitch. a new idea. Is there a blender in the oh. keep? 
No, there's. I mean, there's nothing nearly. Is there that. any blend? Any blenders like, you've discovered recently that you felt were particularly blendy? No, I feel no. like you should keep a lookout for them. He's too smart for stuff like that. Yeah, man, though. man is not really something blendery. that like. Yeah, you're not gonna find a lot of blenders. You're not gonna find a lot of like uh, super hammy performances in these. Not gonna find well, any. You're not gonna find any jokes in any of these movies. Well, no, there will be jokes, but they'll be delivered with utter seriousness. <laughs> yeah. like, like there's a few jokes in Collateral, but I think you might go. Collateral's like, kind of funny. Ten movies without like any humor. Miami Vice has that like weird monologue where like Jamie Foxx is like talking about how like if people stand still, they're skyscrapers, like that whole thing, mm. which is like delivered seriously, but is a joke. Yeah, he's not a know. humorous guy. No, something that. But to Ben's point, this is like what I love about his movies. Like they're not like. Do you, if I were to say, this is a phrase we use at home a lot, a pizza movie. Do you know what that is? You mean like a movie you watch while you're eating pizza? Yeah. yeah I, like a sure, movie that I know exactly you what can you're instantly about. picture it in the car on top of a box of pizza in a video box coming home from the store. <laughs> right. And like, right. this is like a 20 year genre. Yeah. Right. That like sometimes like the client is a pizza movie. Well, any Grisham, any, Grisham any Cruise, right. any right. Gear, any right. Harrison Ford. Right. And like, yes. Yeah. Like Presumed Innocent, which I just watched. Yeah. Classic That's a pizza. Great movie. pizza. If they're in a courtroom, yeah. it's a pizza movie. But like yeah. E.T. is the first oh, pizza God. movie because they eat pizza in it. Mm. And like, it just, it's, it's a, a movie. That, placement for pizza. It's a movie that was like, <laughs> is there a movie where anyone eats pizza before E.T.? Well, yes, but not. Maybe not. Not a movie that is so perfectly paired with the rise of VHS. Sure. And the idea that this movie was probably watched in the presence of pizza more often than it was not. Mm. And Michael Mann does not make pizza movies. He doesn't make like a kind of, you know, like Saturday night, let's grab like a fun no. legal thriller. No, they're challenging films. They're long. You have to pay attention to everything that's happening. Yeah. You yeah. can't look away. Yeah, like they're really serious movies, but they're super lowbrow movies, which is like a very classic kind of 40s, 50s style of filmmaking that no one cares about at all anymore. So Alex, you said at the beginning of this episode that you want to get a project on the blank check picture slate. Yes. Now, obviously, our door is always open for you. If you want to pitch us anything, come to us first. Ben looks engaged if now for you, the first if time you in want an a hour. First look deal. We'll Ben's sign you. Cracking an egg into a bowl. We're, we're willing to make an overall deal. Sure, you can sure, prop sure. your shingle up here. Right, right, right. Uh, we'll get you a bungalow. So we're going to have shingles within shingles. Shingles within shingles. Uh-huh. Um, the keep is kind of shingles within shingles. Yes. Hey, now. Thank you. Uh, so I'm looking at this is, you know, a little bit out of date, but of course the famous blank check uh, pictures oh, keynote yeah. address, Kevin Feige style that was very real and not photoshopped by Pat Reynolds. And here are some of the projects I forgot we have on the docket. <laughs> uh, the Buzzed, of course. Yeah, I feel like that comes up a lot. Still yep. no director attached. Uh, Gadget, the Gadget reboot that That's David pitched. That's my pitch, right. In which David I Griffin play Inspector Gadget. Play Inspector Gadget. Yeah. I feel like I could do that. And I feel like there's a window on Griffin being able to play Inspector Gadget. Like, it's not forever that he it's can not do forever. He used to be a sprightly guy. Mm. Yes. Yeah. How uh, old was French Stewart? <laughs> French Stewart was a pretty good gadget. I, I mean, I've talked about that, but Inspector Gadget 2 is far more accurate to the cartoon, and that's better. I'm going to tell you exactly. I need to know now. Inspector uh, here's another one. 2003, on... he was 39. Oh, so Griffin's got a long time. Yeah, Griffin, you still got a few years. Well, but I'm 30 going on 45. <laughs> I'm going to skip all those middle years. Mm-hmm. I'm like the keep. I'm like slowly materializing into an old man. Um, uh, here's another one on the slate. Henry Darger's Realms of the Unreal. Now, the problem is Ben has sort of, this has been his big passion project. He's been producing it. Everyone thinks eventually Ben's going to take over and direct it. He's going to make it his directorial. I feel like that's that's the buzz. Right, right, right. right. Uh, Buzz, I think he would rather get like, you know, a real sort of craftsman because that's a commercial Ben is sort of the Eric Roth of of the blank pictures. Right, but Realms of the Unreal, he might not be able to let go. Uh, Of course, you got Easy Writer. 
the Esther Zuckerman story. Of course, Sarah, Sarah Steele Steel attached. Yeah, Esther recently saw Sarah walking out of the Metrograph, yeah. and I was like, you gotta, you know, you gotta sign her up. She's attached as far as I'm concerned. And then the other project listed here, uh, Midnight Run Forbidden Origin, which of course has now been retitled Midnight Run 2049. Uh-huh, okay. I didn't um, realize we were. We, I, we've been courting Paul Thomas Anderson for that okay. one. But, How's I mean, that going? You know, court is in session. He's a Patreon subscriber. He's right? a Patreon subscriber. Oh, be, yeah, he's a check. That'd be funny. Yeah, he's a Haas hog. But he's a hog. He's only a Haas. He's only a Haas. He's like, hog. I'm only in it for Haas. I'm in it for Haas. Um, uh, but do any of those jump out to you? Or yeah, do, I think, do you I think, have any other projects you want to pitch to? Us? Gadget. Gadget. For now. Okay. I'll think of something. Yeah. Gadgets in your wheelhouse because I feel like you like yeah. that. IP. That, those, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The sort of uh, distressed IP. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Distressed. IP. It's distressed. All right. Yeah. I got a pitch. Great. New one. Because I'm, I'm currently I'm working on my screenplay for Night Eggs. Yes, which is very exciting. Which right. uh, Chris right. White's is... Attached to direct. Well, no, he's direct. attached to produce. He hasn't confirmed. He's, well, he's be, been eyeing the director's chair. He's definitely yeah. still listening at hour three of the Keep uh, podcast. No questions. <laughs> as far as I know from White's, he's all in. He's Weirdly yeah. all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I had this new concept. What if uh, you make a podcast movie? No one's done it. Podcast well, there's podcasters movie. in the Go new on. Halloween. Yes, which is the best thing about it is that the podcasters are savagely murdered <laughs> very early into Halloween. Yeah. Do sort of like um, like Pontypool, but with podcasts called like, Potty, make it <laughs> Potty Pool. Potty pool. <laughs> what, what? Make like occupation movie, right? Like those. That's like such a straightforward kind of. Why like, do like Working Girl at a podcast network? Mm. Like the oh Ben is tilting his head like that's an interesting what idea. Love the TV show. Didn't they have some podcast content in it? Never She's watched. definitely like a radio. One show. One of my favorite ways that you guys describe movies when they come up in box office game is like it's a movie where this guy has this job, <laughs> right? So and this, that's the pit. So this would just be like you, you know that like uh, that, <laughs> which is a real pizza movie sort of yes. overlaps. Oh, totally. Right. But it would just be what like if Michael Keaton was a house painter. Yeah, like what if this guy just works up? Like what pit. if he's just the podcaster? Um, podcaster. We should put that on the slate. What you mean like Michael an air? You, you mean like an airheads of podcasting, where like a studio gets taken hostage, I, but I, it's not live, so no one can really get the or word. What out. if it's like it's <laughs> it's the uh, like it's a mad 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 world of podcasting, where instead of it being like all the great comedy stars of our time, it's, it's like all a it's mad like dash Sarah movie. Koenig. Yeah, you guys, us. <laughs> That's it, um, Rogan, <laughs> Ro- Rogan. Fucking who's on the charts right now? Marin, obviously. Yeah, he, Richard has to, Simmons. he has to lock the gates. We're all at some trying point. to find Richard Simmons. Right, That's, yeah, right. We're not trying to find money buried under the tree. Adnan, he's there. Adnan, <laughs> Jay, Nisha. <laughs> so it's just mostly cereal? just cereal. Okay. Hey, listen, I have sat <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday many nights. Mm. Listening to Snooky. Oh, Snooky's part of the movie. Talking about some inane shit. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is absurd. What is my life? And I got to wake up and then talk about the keep with these two idiots. Bar- Barbaro. When Barbaro? You- I don't know. How you I think, think there's Thank something you for inclu- there. not including me in one of the idiot counts. <laughs> right. We're not talking about the keep. Yeah. Um, Look, the keep is fun you, to talk when about. When you put it that it way, it sounds like you have a pretty charmed life, Ben. Do, do, do. It's a semi-charmed life. Yeah, I know. I picked up on that. Oh, okay. Ben he just didn't want to react. Something else. <laughs> he didn't want to react. Yeah. To do with his. Is there a box office for the keeper? Is this? Yes, there is, my friend. Every day. Thank you this for is definitely asking. one of those times life, where the, the discussion of the, of the movie's chronology ended. But there's always other things to talk about. Yeah, yeah. But no, we actually should play the. Box I knew it would excite game. you guys too much to mention the phrase "Michael oh. Mann's Mission Impossible." Oh, right. I mean, think, think of other things like this. Think of other like fake things that. If they were real, would be sublime. 
Right. I, you, it's going to be tough to top. What, what's going on? Ben? Remake ben House just- of Leaves, but make it that a podcast that a blind man recorded is discovered. Hmm. And Ben's sticking his tongue out like he just... <laughs> shattered the glass backboard (laughs) tongue is still out he's doing like a Nicky on (laughs) how you like me now raising his arms Ben is now doing full De Niro face I think you guys have learned that when you when you crack like a certain (laughs) runtime, the way to stop Ben from wanting to end things is just ask him what he's thinking about exactly like let him off the leash Ben what do you want out of this podcast I mean it's been half an hour since the I know I I know I gave up Okay, so what's, let's talk box office. Okay. Okay. The Keep came out. It, terrible time to come out, by the way. December 16th. What was the final domestic total? 4.12. Uh, it, it is crazy that 30 years apart, unadjusted, <laughs> it still only made a little less than Black Hat. Right, because adjusted for inflation. It, it uh, handily outgrows The Keep Black made um, $12 million. Yeah. yeah. Great job, the keep. Yeah, um, it came out. Cat made eight, eight. It made eight. It got eight. to eight. That's insane. Which of course it crawled to eight. You know, much of Black Hat. Uh, you know, one thing Black Hat has a Chinese characters mm-hmm. in it, and is obviously trying to make an international yes. play that it failed to make. Yeah, eight. You know, a very important number in I mean, Chinese numerology. Oh, Again, so maybe they to, just stopped it there. Not to keep going on on tangents, but are there any <laughs> other? Major filmmaker releases that do not even hit double digits. That I is something I will research because I feel like that's a great question. Did Silence hit double digits? Yes, like but in like the, but not twenty. Right, right. Silence, silence made like no, no. Silence made seven domestic. Wow. Seven. So Silence is it? Because Silence is the one that sprung to mind where I was like, wow. Because when you were talking to me about how Scorsese, I'm like. You don't realize how much silence frightened Paramount. Silence, like, right? That might have right. been. I forgot about silence. It but that might have like, been him running his cost as that much was the as last Black check Hat. he had. Right. It was like yeah. forty, right? Yeah, something like that. Right. But it was the movie he tried to make for thirty years. He finally right. got them to write the check after Wolf of Wall Street, Seven. and then they were, like, were like, "See, no the Monk movie that's really long and and sadly made no money." Yeah. And he was like, "Oh yeah, geez, I guess it did, huh? Well, all right." Anyway, uh, can, I'm going to hire a That pain tolerance movie? <laughs> Imagine a bullet is the I in various names as it comes Sometimes towards Sometimes it's you. an O. <laughs> All right. 1980, December 16th, 1983. Okay. Number one at the box office, $10 million in its second week, is the fourth in a franchise. Very unusual in the 80s, okay, I feel wait, like. Give me, give me the year again. 1983. Is it Star Trek IV? No. Is it a horror franchise? No. Is it Superman 4? No. I'm having fun. Is it a police academy? No, but the first word is good. Police? First word is good. It's a police movie. It's a police movie, and there are four of them. There's four of them. Like, I don't know. And this is number four? This is the fourth. Wait, is police in the title, or is it a cop movie? It's a cop movie. It's a Dirty Harry? It's a Dirty Harry. But which is it? The Enforcer? No. Deadpool? No. That's the fifth. Dirty Harry movie? The Enforcer is third. Deadpool is fifth. So what's the one? Let's name all five at this point. What's the one that we're missing? <laughs> it's the one directed by Clint Eastwood. As far as I know, the only one that he directed. Ben, that's not helpful. What Ben is punching doing. himself in the face and then acting surprised. This is the one where he says, "Go ahead, make my day," which everyone assumes is in the sudden first one. impact. Correct. Helpful? No, it wasn't. I didn't get it because <laughs> of that. I just r- went through the, the database. The movie Ben was 
like trying to tease his like he was punching face himself punch. in the face and looking surprised that it had surprising happened. Punch. So did impact. You'll you do dirty. You'll comment. do dirty Harry on Patreon, right? Mm, let's do it. Yeah. One of them is so like nakedly sexist that it would probably be like mm. a very fun. To and talk the last over. one is the one with Jim Carrey as a rock star, right? Yeah, and Deadpool's in it. Yeah, right, right, right. And he knows he's in it. He knows he's in it. Right. Uh, so sudden impact. Come on, that's a good first movie in the box office game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, guys. Wait, what number yeah. is the We're keep? Excited. Yeah. The keep is uh, number uh, fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Strong yeah. Did, didn't open strong. strong. Uh, sudden impact, which grows sixty-seven. Wow, uh, which adjusted is uh, is 187. You know, wow. huge, huge movie, big franchise, uh, big franchise. Number two is a movie we've discussed on this podcast. On this podcast, yep. it has been covered, mm-hmm. and the year is 1983. 83, and its final total is 108. Its final total is one. It's only four weeks into release, and it's made 21. It's only four weeks into release, and it's 21. So it's not a Cameron. No, it is not. Shyamalan? No. It's not Shyamalan? Brooks? No. He was like a child. It is a Brooks. Is it, it is a Brooks? News? It's Terms of Endearment? Terms of Endearment. Oh, oh wow. But well, yours broadcast name is 85? 87. 87. Yeah. Yep. Terms of Endearment. Terms of Endearment. So you've right. done the Massive keep, hit. You've, you've been keep adjacent yeah. before. We have. What a That's time to true. be alive. So yeah. happy to have been born at this time. Terms of Endearment, the second highest grossing film of its year behind Return of the Jedi. I believe that's correct. Yes. I can just ahead of the keep. Just, just a just squeeze ahead of the keep. That's right. Uh, yeah, the only other movie in 83 to cross 100. Wow. Number three is a movie I've never heard of. Oh, I have heard of this. Okay. So this is one of those things where it's like, you know that movie with those famous people in it? They're in another movie together that doesn't have anything to do with the first movie, but they're in a movie together. Interesting. Hmm. It's a, the they're together again. It's yeah, one of those. it's kind of a runaway bride situation, but less famous. Is it Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn? No. Interesting. Was it no. the follow up to Foul Play? Okay, let me see. think. How how iconic are these two people? And how together? much earlier was the first movie? Seven years earlier, seventy six. I think the first movie is it a man and a woman. A man and a woman. Is it the main event? It's not the main event. What is that? It's a boxing comedy with Ryan O'Neill and Barbara, Barbara Streisand. Streisand. Oh, right. Yeah. God, no. After What's Up, Doc? Yeah. Um, it's the... Uh, what can I clue you in about this? Uh, it's... How iconic is the first time they were together? Insanely. Insanely iconic. This movie I've never heard of, but... But the first one is, like, huge. Yeah. 75. 76, I think. 76. They really, they really pop. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. The first one is 78. I had that wrong. I'm sorry. Really so it's five Huge years later. They me. really popped. Um, I'll tell you that Charles Durning, Scatman Crothers, Beatrice Strait, and Castulo Guerrera are prominent uh, supporting players. And that's like one of the hottest supporting casts you could have gotten in 1983. <laughs> Those names just spell box office. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie has a religious component, and those four play angels. What? I'm gonna keep telling you things because I'm sure you don't know what this movie is, and as I explain it, it just sounds crazier. You know, Charles Durning is like one of my five favorite actors. Eventually, just say the first movie, Durning Down the House. Yeah, Durning Down the House. I'll say the first movie eventually, right? And even then, you probably won't know it. This is very exciting. Um, yeah. It's about. I love this I'm era just of box office. To guess by the first movie. This is my favorite. This is why I'm, I'm always. This is, I mean, this is why I think like this is the primo box office because there are just so many mysteries in here yeah. and you have no firsthand memory right, of any of right. it. So the premise of this movie is that four angels have been in charge of 
heaven for 25 years. My God. And they're durning, durning straight crothers. crothers. <laughs> and some guy, uh, C- C- Castulo Guerrero. He's the okay. one I don't know. But um, they've been in charge of heaven for 25 years. They're playing golf. And then God, voiced by Gene Hackman. What? Sounds like Dave is having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> interrupts. Being like, I what's I was getting up? Marble I've been in. Right. I have been out of the office for twenty five years. Earth seems bad. I will flood it again. So Hackman comes in as God and is like, "You guys have not been doing a good job of Earth." Do you know this? Or are you reading? I'm this? reading this. Okay. I've never heard of this movie. Okay, I just I read this because I, I was first just going off the stars, but then I read the plot and I was like, "Whoa, so hang on!" We a haven't second. even gotten to the two big no, stars. Exactly. Yet. Okay. Exactly. God's like, I'm flooding Earth. Like, you guys have fucked it up. Did this and, open this week? Uh, or is this like hanging Let's find around? out. Yes, it opened this week. It's the big opening oh, this week. Okay, 70. And, and he, the, the angels are like, wait a second, don't flood Earth. What if we find a guy who's no good and we can persuade him to like reform and be a good guy? Will that like prove to you that like mankind so is worth not in the being destroyed? How is this movie not remade in the late <laughs> yeah, 90s? Right. And so they select a guy, the, the lead yeah. actor, who's going to rob a bank and he points his gun at the bank teller, who's the lady, and um, and then like the moral like sort of play begins. Oh, fuck, seventy eight. What wins best picture in seventy eight? Uh, what wins best picture in seventy eight? Let's find out. Because I I'm not gonna guess this movie. But I Ben's can guess not the, talking about his ideas anymore. He's I'm, looks I'm, like he wants. I'm, to I'm next, next to going again. to give you. This is one of the great box office games yeah, of all time. This in is my opinion. unbelievable. Uh, I'm next gonna give you the movie. The winner in 1978 is uh, the Deer Hunter. Okay. The so movie, this movie stars De Niro and Meryl Streep as yeah. well. The movie this is drafting off of, and it was nominated for five this Razzies. Movie stars Christopher Walken and a gun. Five. It's, ra- the, it's the long overdue reteaming of Here. the iconic duo Christopher Walken and a pistol. It's weird. Oh, ben looks I like I just he's found reaching. out more information about this movie. Okay, five Razzie nominations. Okay. This one that you're talking about. This now, one not that the I'm talking one. about right now. Yes. Okay. It had a platinum selling soundtrack with three hit singles for the female lead. One of which was a song written by Journey that they passed off to her because sorry, they were like, forget it. Is the movie a musical or did she just sing on the soundtrack? That. Okay, so the, is she known as a singer? Yes. And is it Streisand? No. Is it Cher? No. It's someone you'd never remember, and then you'd be like, "Oh right, that person was a huge deal." That person was a huge. It's is it Olivia Newton John? Olivia Newton John and John Travolta and John Travolta and the movie is and the movie is called. It's directed by John Hertzfeld. Who went on to make like uh, two days in the valley and uh, fifteen minutes? Moment by moment is the Lily Tomlin John Travolta one, right? Yep. And then perfect it's got a, it's is John got a, Travolta. Here, I'll give you Jimmy another Lee clue Curtis. for the okay. title. The title is also used for a sitcom that I used to watch that ran for one season. The single guy. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Secret Diary of Desmond Fife. <laughs> Andy Richter controls the universe. A homeboys in outer space. Shots the McNasty. <laughs> I mean, come on. I like that I'm You're joining teeing in. us up. <laughs> we have so many more UPN shows at the ready. <laughs> David's taking guesses. <sighs> no, like it's a very anonymous title. Uh, it also has, man. It has nothing to do with the Richard premise. Richard Jenny's Platypus Man. It what? took a twist of fate to make them blank the title. Fall in love? 
I mean, that would be a weird title for a movie. But yeah, but that's but that's kind of the sentiment. Can I give you the title? Please. Can we give up? Yeah, we're not. We're we don't know this movie. Two of a kind. I did know that title. <laughs> I love it when you two dudes out. You do know it. There they are. They're two of that's a kind. That's why I was going like moment by <gasps> moment. I you was see like, What's this the- poster. You don't think like, oh yeah, that's about like four angels <laughs> arguing with Gene Hackman as God John over the fate a of fucking human- bank robber. <laughs> wow. The okay. fuck is it? <sighs> What a what a wow. what a great that was wow. one of the greatest things that's ever happened on this podcast. All right. Okay, don't worry, Ben. We only have two more movies to guess. Number four is a De Palma movie. Eighty three. I'm blanking on what year we're in. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. eighty three. I've got three hours of sleep. Uh, brain well, this is down. this is embarrassing. Scarface uh, is eighty. It's not body it's, doubles eighty. No, it's Scarface. Scarface is oh, eighty three. Okay, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got it. What's eighty? I don't know. A blowout. Never mind. Yeah, blowout is yeah. Okay, either okay. seventy nine or eighty. Yeah. Holy um, mackerel. Holy, holy mackerel. Blow it's 81. Dress to kill is 80. Uh, mm. uh, number five mm-hmm. is a film that I have heard of, but I need to look up what it is. All right. It stars. Oh, fuck. I think we've talked about this movie before. Jesus. When would we have talked about it? Um, it stars uh, Gene Hackman. Okay. As the voice of God. <laughs> it's an action movie. It's called Three of a Kind. It's. <laughs> Uh, it's like a marine uh, trying to rescue his son from like the Vietnam War. It's like an action movie from the eighties that I don't really know, but I know like anyone who was alive in nineteen eighty three probably saw this movie. Yes, is it called Sudden Impact? No, does it have a title like Without Limits? Kind of, yeah. It has a title that like means a thing. No exceptions. (laughs) No reservations. Extreme measures. (laughs) Diplomatic immunity. Um. What else can I tell you about this Out movie? It was a, a Patrick Swayze's in it. Swayze? Tex Cobb is in it. Tex Cobb? Fred Ward. Ward? God, I'm sweating. <laughs> oh, my God. Jane Caxamerick. Jane Caxamerick. Okay. However you say her name. Yeah. Hackman. I don't know. It's got like a real like military Fair, yes. ter- like, uh, term or word in the title. D- dishonorably discharged? You're not that far away. I'm close. Yeah. With honors. Again. What's another word for honor? Right. On the battlefield. Or bravery. What's another word for bravery? Keep going. It's more or more, a little more ornate than that. Valor. Valor. Is it just called valor? Second word of the title. Stolen valor? No. Uncommon Valor. Oh, I do Common Valor. Yes. I've we have talked about this movie yeah, in an episode. I don't remember why. Blankies, tell me which, because I don't remember yeah, which. I don't know. Do, do so, your work. So this was, what else is in the box office? That's six through ten. We got a re-release of The Rescuers. Mm. Uh, the Mouse movie. Climbing the Pump for Down Under. That's right. We've got Yentl. Can Who doesn't me? love Yentl? What a time to be alive. We've got John Carpenter's Christine. taken off his headphones. He is. Walking out of the studio to pee. Okay, we have uh, Christine, which we're probably going to have to discuss on this podcast. I'm just assuming Carpenter's winning. It looks like uh, the Haas Hogs have assembled. Um, Silkwood mm. came out this week. What a time to be alive. Wow. Porky Park came out this week. The remake of To Be or Not To Be came out this week. Oh, man. The Man Who Loved Women came out this week. So Durning's blown up the box office right now. He's got remember two when, films in the top remember ten. Remember when they just didn't care when movies got released? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I don't know. They'll make money at some point. When the notion of releasing all these movies two weeks before Christmas made perfect sense. It's right, the thing, right, right. Now, like, if you right. looked at a Christmas box office, it would all be family movies, right. superhero movies, and Oscar movies. Right. And this Wait is a just minute. a bunch is of shit. Silkwood also Paramount? Silkwood is Fox. Fox. It's Paramount wasn't like, we've got this great catastrophe <laughs> movie. Yeah. And this great 
Nazi Jewish horror film. Yeah, yeah the uh, Uncommon Valor is a Paramount. I'll tell you that wow. much. As is Terms of Endearment. Yeah, Paramount's feeling to, fine. They, they got used term. to make so many movies, and they would just release them because they would just release them when matter. they were finished. Right, <laughs> right. done. It's, like, it's done. Okay, right. put it up. Right. Like, yeah, call my guy at the theater. Time to make the donuts. <laughs> right. Roll yeah. them out, and you yeah. sell them until you're done, and you close up shop. Yeah. Yeah, you could release like eight Valor movies in a weekend, probably. Right. But this is just like. It's just, I mean, the box office speaks to like just how bananas and diverse this whole time period was allowed yeah, to be. Mainstream filmmaking used to be. And this is why I don't understand. People say the 80s are not a great decade. It's just like there's such decade. a diversity of, of, of options. Yeah. The next week, there's no new movies the next week. That's the other thing. The next week, there's no <laughs> there's new movies. No new movies. Don't release one. Who needs one? It's only December 20th. Don't release any yeah. movies. Yeah. Christmas time, no one goes to the movies. That is actually wild. A new movie is not released until January 1984 when Hot Dog the movie comes out. That's insane. And January 25th <laughs> is like the most coveted of release dates now. Uh, 100%. Right. I'm trying. January 25th? Uh, sorry, December 25th. January 25th, the second most coveted that, that's release That's that date. Black Hat slot. Yeah, that's that classic Season of the Witch slot. I'm trying to find like the movie that we saw to discuss Uncommon Valor but I can't because it had already it must have been Terms of Endearment right yeah is maybe. that possible yeah maybe it is Terms of Endearment must have been that I'm tying myself don't, in knots don't bother here. yourself David it must have been that I feel like we could be ending right <sighs> now except Ben's not here I know that's the problem we literally don't know how to end the show we uh, lack the so, okay Ben's re-entered oh, thank god he's back Ben okay. I was just saying we could have ended but you uh, you had left but unfortunately when you were gone we started a new conversational loop Oh, how what, 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 you but ben, have to, I have a I have a request because obviously uh, we've pushed this pretty far because we're having fun. Can you make this episode one minute longer than the Taking What's Doc episode? <laughs> how long is that? Let's like find out. Enough. I think we actually are right around there right that now. Is because insane. I don't know how long these ads will be, but like Oh I, yeah, no, actually, you know what? The yeah. ads are gonna beef You'll it over. Be fine. So you know what? Let's end it now. Yeah, because here, I, uh taking what's doc running time. Let's find out. I'm loading the episode right now. 2.34. We are at 2.37. Oh, wow. Okay. So we did it. We're at 2.37 now? Correct. So I feel like people don't know this, but there was at one point in this episode a 10-minute conversation about bones, which Ben (laughs) cut out. Um, uh, Alex, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me back. You did it. I honestly didn't know what you were going to do with the keep, but you did it. It's worth talking about. No, of course it, it is. is. Yeah, I course. just If this movie were made by a lesser filmmaker, it would be one of the most irrelevant movies of all time. And because it's made by That's a major right. filmmaker, That's it's correct. very compelling. Yeah. That is actually true. in though. between. Yeah. If someone else had made this movie, you would have been like, that movie is just not nothing. Is but this like if a it was the exact film same where they movie. ran out of budget? Right, like, and it was directed here? by like John Smithson. Steve and Malehunter are both top here. It's just sandwiched in between. He knocks it out of the gate and then comes back swinging after this. Knocks it out of the keep. Yeah, he was just trying to sell those board games. Uh, her smell. I can't see it in I theaters the if you can. Game. It feels like something I did in a I nightmare. I, I have to wait three days to find out if I win the the role playing game book. But I, yeah, I, her smell is probably still out Google somewhere. The snowman. <laughs> well, you asked that question about uh, like major directors. Oh, who like got to eight? Because <laughs> I just remember that movie being bad. Yeah. Um, so this is more stuff I could cut out sure. or leave it. Cut it. No, cut it all out and then uh, put it on. Snowman the got to six. Wow. Snowman's a six. And not a particularly major director. No, no, no that's middle. Yeah, someone who I people thought was. Could be. Right. Um, check out her smell in theaters if it's still there. If not on digital. Somewhere. It's yeah. out there somewhere. I bought it on iTunes for no money. Have you gotten any uh, Christopher Robin residuals? 
No, I think those come a year and a quarter after the release of the movie. Interesting. Because I'll say, I feel like it's been blowing up airplanes recently. Uh, more people have told me they've seen it on planes than yeah. seen it in theaters. I'm pretty sure that uh, my girlfriend rewatched it on a plane. I've like rewatched it on a plane. I've yeah, sat yeah, next yeah. to multiple people, strangers on planes, watching yeah. it. Sure. I feel like it comes up often on the show. Love Christopher. Uh, I mean, that's where the draft day millions came from, from airplane viewing, because the movie lost money, and then I started getting crazy residual checks. It's all planes. Right. And it said, like, JetBlue or whatever? Yeah, Delta. Mm, I'll let you know about that. (laughs) C-24B. It might be different. might be different for actors. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. Look, it's a hanging uh, narrative thread to be resolved. Um, Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Go to blank check. Uh, dot reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Oh, I just had another thought. What? Um, let me just think of something else to just tack on. Okay, you know keep what? Going. Do you know what? Now you're being nasty. And oh, I'm going to say it. Now you're, being, oh, now you're really? being nasty, and that's uncalled for. And I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to say thanks to Andrew Agudo for social media. I'm going to say thanks to Pat Reynolds and Joe Bone for our artwork. Thanks to Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Uh, go to uh, Patreon. There's a new vaporwave artist I just discovered. Could I? Do you mind <sighs> oh if I just go to Patreon for the stuff we cut out of this episode? Sure, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want to piece together extended. the the keep style yeah. fractured narrative of this episode, right. which Ben has cut down to 15 minutes, that's, we should actually do that. We should do. I that. I think that's a good bit. Yeah, a good what if this bit. is our shortest episode ever? Right, yeah. I love that. It's shorter than the Attack of the Clones politics episode. But now you're that like, would, um, if you were going to do that now, 35. Ben, it would take more work from you to make it exactly. And we're not backing file. down on this, and that's what Ben has to do. Uh, oh boy! Um, uh, and look for that uh, Connery the movies. Yeah, merch. the movie's shirt available now on T Public. I, I certainly hope I'll be the one drinking out of that mug or using that tote oh, bag. Did I show you my new phone case? case? Oh, it's a no bits case. It's a nice uh, purple no bits case. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, soon I'll be getting myself a movie phone case, and we'll be all be living in a better world. Uh, thank you all for listening, uh, and as always, uh, Ben, uh, please edit this down to be our shortest episode ever. <laughs>